Greetings. In the name of the Most High, I know you're all really wondering about a lot of things, and that's why we have today our good friend Kunita Charles uh, from Paris. We're going to discuss the world situation, and uh, we're going to discuss a lot of things that I guess are on a lot of people's minds today with what exactly is going on. Uh, Charles, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Oh, boy, I got you coming. You're coming like a... That phone is powerful. I'm going to have to... Let's see. Get the... Well, I've got a headset on, so maybe that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, no, I think I'm going to take it out of... I had it on stereo here. I'm going to take you out of stereo. Let me uh, move the microphone way up, or a little bit away from my mouth. Maybe that'll help. I don't know. No, there you go. Okay, now. You should be perfect. <laughs> No, you're only only on only on one channel. Okay, now now <laughs> now you're you're slightly to the left, like you're here talking to me. Okay, I've yeah I'm having to adjust it a little bit, but that's um, yeah. it's I haven't had a a single. Okay, here we go. Yeah, I haven't been a little to the left in a lot of years. <laughs> no. I'd, I'm, I'm really uh, okay. Let's see if we can do. Okay, now I think you should be good. Okay. There you are. I see you. Okay. Alrighty. Good. Okay. So welcome, Charles. Well, here we are um, in this, uh, you know, this this time where a lot of people are wondering, with everything being so blatant. You know, I, I, this is the thing that nobody has ever predicted: the blatancy of it all. And then our reaction to it was like, oh, that's normal, which they're not really thinking that. They're just trying to get through it. You know what I mean? You know, I didn't see that. No, I didn't see that. It can't be that bad. They can't all be saying that, you know, and, and then keep, but keep trying to get through your life, despite the fact that everything's, you know, completely, 100% not the world we lived in. And the reaction of people is to keep going as if it is or trying to fathom it. You know, no one's ever really tested anyone on that much information as what has come out, you know, that much evil, that much, you know, just insanity. Like, remember, we would always predict that the, you know, that say the pedophiles would come out and start pushing their agenda and they would do this, they would do that. And then they did everything we said they would do. But we didn't think it would be like that, like that blatant. We just... What do you think about anything? What do you think? Okay, there we go. I had my mute on for a minute there. I had to turn it off. Sometimes I forget. Yeah, Getting no. old, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. Good. Well, they tell me that anyway. I don't. I don't pay much attention to it. I, you know, I figure my dad's old. He's ninety-three. Oh, you know? good for him. Well, thank God. Yeah. So when I get up around there, then they can call me old. I'll probably slow down a little bit too by then. But I'll try not to. You I don't not, have to. You're not slow. <laughs> That's no. one thing. You're fast. I'm, I'm busy every day. Yeah. So, Thank God. You know, out and about and all that. So it keeps me in good shape. Well, that's but good. you know, you're right, Steph. Yes. Things have changed dramatically. You know, I, I grew up, my earliest memories are in the 50s. And the world that I knew and you knew too, although your world was different, you know, being in Hollywood and around power people, yeah. I was just, you know, working class people. And we lived in a kind of a secluded area where I had relatives everywhere. 
you know, we had been there for generations. Mm-hmm. And so the life I grew up was, was, I suppose, much more sheltered than what yours was. But it's not the world we see now. There were expectations you had of other people. And people generally lived by the Christian ethic, even if they didn't follow it in their private life. Uh, you know, kids were safe. We played until dark almost every night. We didn't tell our parents where we were going. We just went out to play. It was a whole different world that, that by the time my children came along, they didn't do any, uh, any of the kind of things that I did. You know, I was around or with them or somebody all the time. You know, it's, so the world has changed. Uh, evil has shown its face and, and it began small. You know, I remember when the, uh, you know, the, uh, was it the 501c3 it was a voluntary program and all that and all the churches saw the big bucks they could make and they all bought into it and then they next thing you know presto the church is no longer serving christ but serving the u.s government uh and that had a profound impact on on people and their moral standards mm-hmm. uh and you can see it right on through slow creep the homosexual movement. I remember that. All we want is acceptance. Just don't beat us up. Just don't discriminate. That's all we want. And look at it now. It's the dominant uh, philosophy of our society. You know, sexual perversion. If you don't want to be gay, well, you know, change yourself into something else or do this or go after the kids Uh, or whatever. All of that has become a mainstream in our society. And you know one Thanks of the deadliest, and and, and yeah, the people the people that made it mainstream have no opinion either way about sex or anything. They're they're not. It's 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 got nothing to do with what people think it has to do with. You, you know what I mean? It's it, it's a political yes. it's a political ideology. It's got nothing to do other than just dumbing people down and making them you know material you know materialistic. But other than that, it's got nothing really to do with um, what the. Uh, it has more to do, I think, with with um, tolerating, you know, doing what the state says, conforming to the state, um, which is, you know, that's why it's the dominant thing, and has less to do with um, the expression, whether it be taking a jab or being um, gay or being, you know, in the trans movement, which is of really gaining steam. But it's but that too is a political movement, and the people that are in it or pushing it are really political tools and and they don't really understand that that statement is not bigoted it's scientific but it yes. doesn't matter it doesn't, whatever you say if there's any disagreement at all they want to murder you so oh yes you know Zeph, it's it may be a political movement but deep at heart it's a spiritual movement oh, it's yes. a movement yeah. to uh, take uh, god's yes. people away from him if they can and a movement to separate the rest of the population from god's people so that we are considered the outsider the threat and all of that that's what it all is and it's been that from the very beginning oh. it's just they did it at such a slow creep that people just didn't see it unless they were totally spiritually aware. I'm not sure they see it now, but yes, as a spiritual movement. No, they movement, don't. As a spiritual movement, um, you know, that they've always had, you know, I guess you'd say the United States would be, you know, the biggest, most evil, satanic state on the block, right? The most powerful. Yes, yes. And um, the United States would be just like what we were saying back in 2002, 2003, the uh, when we used to comment on the Washington Monument uh, and yeah. the architecture of Washington, D.C. itself, 
uh, yes, is, yes. is a, is a cultic and it, it is, it, it's it, Masonic, right. But which is, you know, Masonry is, comes from the occult or they, yes, they use the occult uh, to ascend ultimately. And, uh, they worship Baphomet and, yes. and the people couldn't see that either. George Washington and that Baphomet pose, you know? So what did people yeah. think was going to happen here? I kind of learned the hard way, you know, what it, what it really is, is, um, you know, a lot of the things that I've come to understand, you know, they're very, very difficult. They're very, um, the dialectic, you have to be really, 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 either really smart to understand or diligent over a year, you know, a guy that digs, you know what I mean? That, that really keeps digging. Yes. Uh, or you're not going to get it. You know, that it takes that kind of tenacity, that kind of intelligence and, um, you know, to understand what it all means. And uh, so from the, from the Washington, you know, architecture in the beginning, you know, we were on the air here and, you know, you were getting going with your thing and other, other people and Brother Thomas, remember him? He was out there talking about the yes, commun- I do. communist takeover in 2004. You know, people were laughing at him. And then we were talking about the um, all these things that would be coming to pass. And I guess over the, a twenty-year period, they all did. And you know, and back then you would point out about the say the monument, and you know, there was one guy that called it the shaft of Baal, which is yeah. right in in uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, there's a there's a th- um, throw rocks at Satan day. I, I forget the name of it, but they 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 have a a day where they attack Satan, okay, in the Muslim calendar. And guess what? When they throw the rocks at Satan, they throw it at an obelisk, just like the Washington Monument. Yes. <laughs> and you show that to people, and they just, I've had, you know, looking back over those 20 years, um, my God, the Americans are dense. My God, they're stupid. I mean, it's amazing. Or, or instead of saying stupid, let me say it better. You know, so deeply mind controlled that this last push into the open Satanism, which is the whole point of um, perversion, to, 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 it's really to bring Satan out. You know, to bring to bring it all about, to bring it in the open, to bring the. Spirit. Well, they're trying to build a psychotic society. That's what they're trying to do. And you build a psychotic society in a couple of ways. You do it by fear. And we have had a constant fear message for the last 30 years. Longer than that, the whole Cold War was a fear message. And you also do fear and isolation. Those two things together will begin to breed a psychotic society and a society that will begin to strike out against itself. Yeah. And one group will become dominant, and that's the power group. And you've seen that happen already. Yeah. But I do think there's a change coming. And uh, okay, it may not it. be a change for the better, but it is going to be a change. Tell me more about that. Well, I've always believed and said that the Antichrist, if he comes from this country, this society, that I believe it will be the church people and the Christians that will put him in. And when I look at at Donald Trump, now I don't know whether, I'm not saying he's the Antichrist, but I see signs in the things he says, the things he does. 
is, you know, he he's always had this despotic personality. Donald Trump worries me some if he were to get back in again and what he might do. And if he were to go out and lash out, even at the uh, the opposition, it would begin to destroy American society. We'd begin to fight one another, and, and that would be the yeah. ultimate thing, would be to divide us. And that's when this personality will take over. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so Donald Trump worries me, not so much because he may be, but because he's such an agitator that uh, this could throw us into the turmoil necessary to yeah. bring about a one-world rule. Yeah, no, he's, you know, he's, it, there's, there's, it's like a, a brilliant side of him than an oafish side. Yes. And it's so strange to see those two in one person. <laughs> like they fight each other. And, uh, yes. and he causes division. I mean, tremendous division. He does. It, it he does. It, it, he, his, his, uh, brash statements and all, he knows just exactly how to trigger a liberal, you know, any liberal. And, but, but let me, you were around. Okay. Let's take it back even further as to when a lot of this really got started back in the sixties during the Vietnam war. Okay. Yes. Did you serve, by the way? Just yes. You yes. Went, you went to Vietnam. Yes. Oh, that's 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 great. Because now I was in another. I was actually in another country, but yeah, the same thing. Cambodia. I was Laos. You weren't supposed to be there. That's top secret. <laughs> I did a lot of things when I was in the you army. You weren't supposed, supposed to. to be in Laos. Well, there's good weed there. <laughs> yeah. Well, they won't even. Uh, they won't even admit now. That we were there and what we did. No, this day, I, no, no. I mean, that's funny that you admit that. You were like, okay, so, so he's holding that back. But that's okay. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on with Vietnam, including experimenting on soldiers. When I remember that movie came out, uh, Jacob's Ladder, which was about a drug experiment in Vietnam. And, I, uh, I remember that. That's where the guy was dead and didn't know it, right? And then they died. Yeah, they, they, what yeah. I think is they just did a, a, a CIA cleanup. And so they all died, and then um, the but, CIA was very involved there. Oh yes, that was their that, that, that was their heyday. <laughs> but, but anyway, so you were, um, and of course, then you remember all the uh, the anti war movements and the you know the uh, the left, oh yeah the uh, yeah the Port Heron letter and the classical left of um, you know. You know I had a lot of friends that were at Kent State the day that uh, the uh, National Guard opened fire. Yeah. None of them were hit, but I knew a lot of them were there, and they were the kind of people who would have been right in the middle of that march. But they hit us with, uh, okay, so we got hit with um, the uh, the influx of LSD, which was brought in by uh, Timothy Leary, but also by Louis Jolene West, Louis, yeah, Jolene West, who was a, um, you know, a mind control psychiatrist from, um, in the CIA, but also uh, managed all the... Uh, when he came to L.A., he was in Oklahoma for a while. He killed an elephant with LSD. He overdosed an ele- elephant. <laughs> and they brought him out to the West Coast because they wanted to use him to try to use LSD to, to, to control behavior of, uh, you know, people that, you know, the, in the watch, you know, the black people and brown people and, you know, people of color. There really was a, a plot. Yes. And Reagan was the guy yes. that, was, that brought him out there. So there's and, and so all this goes back to like Nixon, then Eisenhower, and then we have the Vietnam situation. All of the things we've seen today were were present in the, the hippie movement, the music, and how all the musicians were like sons and daughters of 
mucky mucks and and you know like like you know Jim Morrison was the son of a of a Navy admiral, um, yeah, and and things like that and and uh, you, you know Crosby, all those guys, all that music, you know, um, was um, seemed like the only guy that wasn't connected with Frank Zappa who was running everything, but. <laughs> You know, I don't understand that connection either. But I just barely remember Frank Zappa. They they didn't really allow his music to be played much around. No, yeah, yeah, conservative area. He was like the first one that you know. I think he faked eating dung on the stage and things like. You know, he was before Ozzy Osbourne, and you know, he was um, put it out there. And it was a time of there were riots on Sunset Boulevard. I remember and. There were riots everywhere, black lights, weed, drugs everywhere, free love, uh, do, or, do what you want. Don't go by society's rules. You'll live it up and be dead by 30. Don't trust anyone over 30. It, yeah. it, it would you know, kill everyone. And then there was kill everyone over 30. And then the, 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 um, the seven, what was the, uh, the Chicago seven or whatever they were, uh, the, uh, oh. Democratic Convention in '68, yeah, right when they drafted the Port Huron uh, Manifesto, all of this was, you know, even more heavy than what you see. It's this. In other words, we're seeing a repeat exactly. And there was a big push to bring. Um, we almost got in a nuclear war after that in the '70s, and um, somehow we avoided it. But Jane Fonda, you may remember, oh, God. she was. Yes. Uh, they called her Hanaway Jane. Yes, I remember Jane Fonda. <laughs> and, yes. And she was so adamant. I used to listen to her. She was so, so persuasive. Like, she was, uh, said, well, we, we need to use movies for mind control. She would just come out and say it, you know. And um, and then she did the Hanoi Jane thing. She was in a, a, a Academy Award winning movie with, uh, um, I don't know what's happened in my memory this morning. I was got up and I just, I didn't have a very good sleep, but... Uh, John Voight. John Voight uh-huh. at that point was kind of like, he was pretty radical, and him and Jane saw things. It's called Coming Home. And I believe that John Voight, if I'm not mistaken, I think he won the Academy Award for that. I, I remember the movie, but I don't remember much. You know, as a rule, Zeph, I don't watch movies that deal with Vietnam as a rule. I just, it was you know, bad, I, I... Tell me more about I don't it. like being triggered, and I don't like, you know, the memories are all in a box I locked and put away many years ago. And I don't bring it out because if I bring it out, then I have to remember it again oh, and relive yeah, it. Yeah. And, and so you just, plus it doesn't do any good to talk to people because if they weren't there, they have no concept of what it was like. Yeah. They well, have no, no reference point. But it gives you a lot of credibility though, as a speaker, you know, that you've seen from the inside out, you know, tell you the truth. Okay. I try not to even use it. I try not to even mention the army. I, 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 I didn't take army benefits. I, I turned down. I didn't want nothing to do with him. I just said, I'll call you. Don't call me. You know, you're very similar to a guy that I had, uh, was just counseling about Jesus, you know, praying with him and, you know, and he felt so guilty. Uh, he was a Marine and he was, um, you know, the Marines are the snipers, right? So he was drafted. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And Marine the, recon were, were some very bad dudes. Yeah, yeah. And the, so he was a gunnery sergeant, and then he was okay. That's he was, an E6. Yeah. So he was recruited into, uh, you know, professional work, shall we say, after the war. Yeah. And yeah, um, I know he explained to me about a chip in his head, and that 
that so already way back then there were implants you know you know there was mind control see what what we learn about is is not even where they are technologically you know they already had the chip in his head and what the chip did it was just a calm device but what it would do is it would he was programmed to call this number whenever that thing went off and then what would happen is there would be a um rendezvous point and he had people that he were you know a team uh, you know snipers and they would be taken to a mission and then they would be told the mission you know kind of on the way but it was like and i asked him i just said it sounds so i'm not sure people would really believe that you know it's, it's that that long ago uh, a chip he said well you know and then and, and he he um but he had to 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 make that phone call See, without, yeah. without that, there's without that kind of programming, and then the chip. This is what Louis Julian West was up to in California. He wanted to put these chips with. The, so they're already in existence in the seventies. See, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. And put these chips in prisoners at, like, at Lancaster Prison and elsewhere, and it was to control behavior. So in his case, it was to compel him to make this call, this number, and then of course not rebel against the program, but to do what he's told. Yeah. So he would do the what super so, it's part of the super soldier program, Zeph. Okay. And that's been going on for a lot longer than people think. I, that began yeah. after the Korean War. Yes. And uh, so the super soldier program and, and that, okay. that deals with a lot of those kind of things. Uh you know, uh Manchurian candidate, you know, was was a good starting point for some of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The whole idea of tearing down your basic personality and inserting something different in its place is the government programs have been going on for generations now and and they're getting very very good they're getting much better without the spirit of god so evil and within you uh and and it's more than just a spirit within you you have to understand who you are and who god is and the relationship there and the power and as it flows back and forth you know our relationship with God is a lot like breathing. You know it's in and it's out. It's in and it's out. It's a continuous turnover within us. And and people that don't understand that, even if they might claim to be Christian and maybe they are, they're subject to being used in these kind of ways because they don't have the basic toolkit of the Spirit to fight against these things or to even understand what they are. Well, that was when, when I came in, you know, was to, to help. I was trying to, I was, I had a lot of my own, but he wanted, you know, to talk to me. So he said to me, he said, I, you're not in the NSA, are you? I said, no. He said, well, everything you're talking about seems like you are. <laughs> so yeah. I, I said, I get a lot of this in the spirit. He goes, well, it's very accurate. And he, he didn't, he had a uniform, you know, that uh, just decked with ribbons and, you know, just when he was uh, in his in his dress uniform. And, yeah. um, and you know, he's very, very accomplished, very celebrated uh, soldier, you know, just put it that way. And, uh, and, you know, and he wanted to get out of, he felt he didn't deserve Jesus because of what he'd been doing. And what really, really upset him was that the, the government would have him go on assignments um, that involved uh, killing um, drug, you know, in drug wars down in, you know, Colombia and, you know, South America. And that it wasn't just the, you know, uh, one more of these. You want to join us, Trish? It wasn't just uh, the, um, 
you know, the head of the household, you know what I mean? It was, you had to, you know, kill everybody, including the children. Oh, so, yeah. And uh, that's what drove him nuts. Yeah. That's, that's the terror tactics that they use. Uh, they take out everybody. Yeah. That, no, that's that, a standard that, operating procedure. That's the U.S. Okay. So, so then, and I told him, I said, look, it doesn't matter what you've done. You know, Jesus is here for us to, you know, just ask forgiveness. And uh, he did. He said, well, I'm ashamed to wear that uniform. And uh, so you can relate to this. He said, I mean, I've got to be at my, you know, daughter's wedding or whatever. And they want me there all done. I don't, I don't know if I can do it. And I said, you, you can do it. You can wear that. And now I'm not talking to you, child. I'm just saying, I believed in that case. He could do it. Just be detached from it. You know, he's with the Lord, not the uniform, not the external yes. manifestation. Um so, but what I was thinking about today before dying to you was how, what a dichotomy that on the surface we celebrate that uniform and this would be like, you know, we'd all applaud all the, you know, uh, people that are against the new world. They'd all applaud this guy with the uniform, not realizing the uniform is evil, represents evil. Um, you know, I mean, you say, well, it's good and evil. I'm saying, no, the guy does evil and the government makes him do it. And the uniform is supposed to be applauded, and the government wants them to wear that. So which is it? You know, and so, I don't know, it's, it's this, this dichotomy that we live in, this, this, uh, this, this battle that's within us between, you know, the, the uniform you applaud, and, you know, if you saw what was really going on, you wouldn't applaud well, it's the holdover from World War II, the First World War, where they'll say, you know, World War II was a good war and all that. And reality is there is no good war. World War II was fought to break us down and bring us into the new world order. They tried to do it at the First World War, and it didn't work. The Senate wouldn't join the, uh, what is it, that uh, it wasn't the United Nations then. It was uh, League of Nations. And, and World War II was fought to bring us in because they understood they had to gain control here. You see, they wanted this continent. So hundreds of years ago, when they started bringing people here, they gave us a faux freedom, you know, So because without it, we would never have gone out and gone totally across the continent and possessed it all. But they always intended to pull that freedom back. And they always kept their little ties in there with which they could do that. It, you know, this was never out of control in their in their thinking. It's just the people didn't have the knowledge to understand what was going on. Uh, even back then, the churches didn't understand the complexities of, of the plan and what was going on and the great deceptions that have been unveiled one after another after another throughout the years to bring us to the point we're at now where you've got a majority of the world, I think, that may well be ready to accept the Antichrist when he shows up. Yeah. Well, um, it's the same as the jab, right? The jab was kind of yeah. a trial run to see, you know, people would accept it. It's, it's amazing when I hear the news, and now I hear very, I hear very clearly all the lies, which is all, all of it, every piece of dialogue. Oh yes. And yes. um, and I look at them. And I say, "How could you do that?" And with a straight face. And you know, I'm I'm perplexed. And I say, oh, "So many of you 
And I told you I, I, I used to, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I was um, rebuking this uh, this fake guru guy, you know, that, that they, they'd roll these guys out every few years, you know. Oh, yeah. To gather up the kids. And they here he is. He's called Sad Guru. And it's really, really, he is a sad case because he's really stupid and he's really... Um, but they're putting, pumping a. He looks the part, you know. He's out of central casting, and they're pumping in millions of dollars in, in appearances and flying all over the world. And I, I, I they did this with um, before. It's about the same period of time in Vietnam and Vietnam ending and the aftermath, right? The Maharishi, and then they had, you know, uh, the Siddha guy Muktananda and Ramakrishna. They brought uh, Paramahansa Yogananda over, and they got those. Fellowship Center. They've always been trying to do that, get the Eastern philosophy. And then what they're told, I mean, the pinnacle was Rajneesh, I think, in the 80s, where it's basically get rid of your hang-up. This is, this is the message of the Sadhguru guy. Get rid of your hang-ups and don't make any conclusions and, you know, and do what you want to do. And, you know, it's yeah. the same as, you know, the gay agenda or anybody else. It's, you know, do what you want. Do what you want. Don't let your yeah, parents... Do as thou you. wilt. Right. So it's the do same... Do as thou wilt. But he's not very good at it. But then, you know, in, in the sense that there's nothing that he says that is profound. It's like cliches of cliches for other people. And uh, he doesn't have any books, and no, he's got no gravitas, really, in the... But they're putting so much money into him. He's got six million people following right now. He's a WEF guy, you know, paid for by, you know, um, sponsored by them. Uh, to recruit and 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 the, the other day I heard him say this, and then I finally had to get rid of him because I I just you know it's it's if the I can't go looking after I I can't save these kids I mean it's Jesus has to save I can't save them from this but he says if you're depressed and lonely and it, you know he's finally addressing the fact that people are sad you know people are upset he goes take me with you and I guarantee you no depression ever again. <laughs> whoa scary right yeah. that was scary it's like he's been appointed to do that and and he's a kind of and i think you know the, the idea that that he's a fool you know openly to, to people that have any kind of knowledge or wisdom or you know, education or anything you know he would appear a fool and um the fact that a fool could get that kind of power isn't that what Satan wants to do? To sh- you know, to, isn't that kind of a a point that you know somebody that you know look how easy I, there's something that Satan's doing here with us. It's like look how easy it is. Yes, well, Satan understands human. You know, Satan understands us, and we were created to have a relationship with. The supernatural, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Reality is we were created to have a relationship with God. And that that image of God that is within us acknowledges to all of us that there is a greater world out there. There is a greater spirit, and we have a destiny. And these guys come along, and what they're trying to do is implant into these people the whole idea that this is their destiny to come with us. You know, they're talking about another spiritual world, but they're not talking about Jesus Christ to come in and completely, no, utter, no. utterly change your life. They're talking about things that people want to listen to because of that natural image of God within us. We all understand the spiritual realm exists, mm-hmm. but we don't understand that there are different 
you know, there are different agendas within that spiritual realm and very, very powerful forces that we can unleash without even understanding or realizing it. And that's true of the believer as well. Believers can, can, uh, sometimes if they misunderstand the spirit can unleash some very deadly spirits on folks. Oh yeah. And, uh, I've, I've seen it happen. I think what's going on is they try to get control of everyone's consciousness and put them on the same page. And then kind of like taking that as like a satellite beam or something, you know, all the people connected into one hive mind and then, and then beaming it at something, you know, to get their way. Um, but, but okay. So this, um, so th- this is going on when it went on before, and, and, and this guy, Sagar, says he's a yogi, so it, he wants everyone to do yoga every day. I want you to do yoga every day, yoga every day. Okay, so the last yogi was a guy named Muktananda that came from there, from India. I remember the name, but I I never really uh, knew much about any of those people. Well, I never paid any attention. To well, I, you know, I, I went to all these things. I went to city yoga. It was city called city yoga. And what they had was you would you'd meditate on this like blue pearl when you saw the blue, but, but you had to have this, I forget what it was called, but it was the eyes of the guru when they looked at you and they awaken you. They awaken your Kundalini spirit. You know, your yeah, the Kundalini serpent at the bottom of your spine. Yeah. And, but you had to have that look from the guru and I, and it was, it was a certain name they called it. Now you see, I'm, you know, I'm forgetting my own education, but they, um, uh, that was you needed that look from the guru whenever it would happen in order to activate so i went to this meeting you know not far actually very close to the, my house and um they called it a cell <laughs> they called it a cell and it was just in the living room of some guy's house you know a couple blocks away and um they just had this you know meditation but really what it eventually became was that the people were being recruited, then they had a center in Santa Monica, you know, a, a city center, and um, they had some money, they had, you know, they were just another cult, but um, the whole idea was obedience and um, ultimately work, give your belongings to the guru, and then work for the guru. But it's not the guru you're working for, it's your it's your karma, you know, so... It, and I'm simplifying it, you know, I'm sure there'll be people take issue with that, but uh, who are, you know, it, it's amazing that anyone's in there. Well, I, I ended up having an argument with this, uh, in the spirit, I got in this big fight with the, the, eventually a woman took her, I don't know if it was Muktananda's daughter or somebody, took over, and it was just, I was there, and it was almost like she was singling me out for a fight, you know, and it, it, so many of these fights have happened since then, so I understand what it what it was now, but I was just a young, younger then. And, um, you know, I wrote her a letter. I just said, what the fuck? Why are you doing this to me? You know? And then she goes on and on and on about how I'm not being obedient. <laughs> and I'm not getting in line. <laughs> and I was just a guy in the, in the, in the, in the crowd. I was nobody, you know? And, uh, and then she suggested I do uh, Siva or service to the guru, meaning I go and volunteer to tend to the garden or do some, some kind of, labor you know to show my devotion and um and there's all that but i mean i'm just saying it's and then there's washing the guru's feet and there's all this stuff that goes on and that's what they're yes. trying they're trying to you know the next step of this sad guru is because i see the progression is to then get people to 
you know, they sort of try to emulate Jesus at times. You know, they want you know, the feet washing, the, the, and eventually gather them into a group uh, where they are completely 100%, you know, behaviorally, you know, locked on to the uh, command. Uh-huh. And they, to do that, they have to keep the guru in their heart, the guru in their mind. And that's the command. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's so Jesus can't intervene. Uh, they want to keep that. That's why they picked on you, Zeph. You know, before we are awakened, God still has a hold of us and a presence in our lives to keep us safe until that moment when he's going to awaken us. And they could see God's presence in you, whether you realized it or knew it or not. It, it, and that it, was the yeah. cause of the hostility. It happened at 18, too. I was like 17 and left. I, my, I was, you know, I escaped from a, the psychiatrist. <laughs> I went yeah. to this meditation thing above uh, the Source Restaurant on Sunset Boulevard. And they had a little, like, a meditation thing. And they had the, the guy that was running all this, they, he called himself Father Yod. And any normal person would just start laughing at this, okay? You know? So I went to this meditation, and I got singled out again. It was a woman giving the sort of class. And they took me to their house up in the Hollywood Hills. And they acted like they weren't going to let me go, like I was going to be kidnapped. And then everyone there was nude, just walking around the garden, like nude, walking around outside. You know what I mean? It was so so bizarre. But I did think I was in danger there, and I had to get out of there. And um, this lawyer sat down. And he said, well, I, I gave my whole practice to, to Father Yod. <laughs> and, yeah. and I got the better end of the deal. You know, my life has never been better, he says. And, yeah, um, the deception is off the charts on this stuff. So, yeah, so that was 18. Then eventually to have some confirmation of this, and, and I'm just using this as a, to build a bridge or a parallel to today, um, there was a guy... Um, Who's that guy we talked to? That was uh, the, the the weirdness of Laurel Canyon. Uh, Danny, um, what was his name? Oh, jeez, I remember that show. I'm bad with these names now. This guy, he wrote a classic book, Weird Tales of Laurel Canyon, or the yeah, okay. Um, and he on his blog, um, he died you know, mysteriously in his 40s. It was strange, you know. It's real, you know, because he was. Definitely on the trail, definitely waking people up. But he talked about this Father Yod guy, and he, he, he explained that Father Yod was army intelligence. And I was just like, oh, my God, that's perfect. That Now I see, you know. So many years later, he, he solved it for me. And, um, you know, that all these guys were intel, you know, were, were operatives. So Father Yod, he would go on like the Tom Snyder show. I don't know if some of you people remember. If there's anyone in L.A. listening, you remember Tom Snyder late at night, remember? And he'd have Father, yeah, he'd have, he'd have Father Yod on. And he just couldn't get over the guy. And, and, and the whole thing was a charade, just like Sadhguru was a complete charade out of the WEF, you know? And uh, he was an operative. He was an army, and all those guys were. And yeah. all the recruiters were, and all the people that were would like, you know, dress in hippie clothes and be all cool and stuff, they were the establishment, but they were playing a role to get you. And, you know, and um, after I'd say some snarky comment to this sad guru guy, because so, it was kind of like, you know, then eventually it just became too, it was, you know, I don't want to waste my time and I, want, I don't want to even think about the guy anymore. But, uh, 
yeah, it was just something that uh, they fooled me so much when I was young, but then I didn't have much freedom anyway. So I, you know, but back then we had the rise of the psychiatrist. At, most of them were very sadistic. And Terry, you, yes. you know, your parents would pay them, you know, in my case, you know, to, 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 to like lock me up until I would see sense, you know, type of thing. And uh, which led to suicide attempts. I mean, it was really bad, 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 bad. But the shrinks, they were all so masochistic. Anyway, where was my shrink? Army intelligence. <laughs> I kid you not. And I found out about yes. that. And then they sent me away, way away somewhere else. You know what I mean? And guess who the, uh, they called They called him the section chief. I said, they, don't, they only call CIA people the section. Nope. In this loony bin, they call this guy the section chief. I go, who is he? Army intelligence. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a great overlap. <laughs> so there you go. All, there you all, go. all divisions of military intelligence. There's a great overlap with the CIA and and, yeah. and all of that. It's it, it. None of them are actually fully independent. They're all a blend of each other, uh, and many of them are, are. There are operations going on in the CIA that uh, even the White House and things are not aware of. There's a lot of stuff goes on in the shadows uh, that people well, just. Uh, are surprised they wouldn't believe that our government would really do that. Uh, well, they they're the biggest purveyor of snuff films, like of you know disaster snuff films, like when a plane's going to go down. They take they take you know yes. they have, they have video of everybody in the plane you know freaking out and going through all the violence. Oh yeah, they, and they're enjoying that. They sell that on the black market, and you know, and then literally there are people that they can't have sex. They need something like that to get off to um, to be crass. Yes. I'm sorry, to, I didn't even mention it, but they well. It's it's violence and blood that they actually are aroused by. No, not not any kind of sex anymore. It's it's gone too and, far. And these these people are beyond human now as well. You know, uh, I I can't say that they're that they're totally possessed or that they're clones or something like that. But I believe that a great many of the people that we think is real are not human at all. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm you know I tend to you know I didn't. I, I think I agree with you, and I've agreed with you in principle for a long time, but I, I still get suckered now and then. Well, not now, but I mean, I would still get suckered, even though I, it's like I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to believe that person didn't have a soul, you know, and even though they may not have. You know, I, yes. I wanted to think that there was a chance. You know. Well, we all want to think that, Zeph. That's because of, of the spirit of God within us. We have a love that other people don't possess, and it pains us to see what's happened. Yeah. It pains us to see these people, you know, in this spiritual condition, and, and we see it everywhere we go. That's the thing. You can't get away from it unless you sit in your own home. And even then, if you bring in anything from the outside world on the Internet or mm -hmm. television, it's going to hit you right in the face. So we can't really get away from it. We simply have to immerse ourselves in our Father. That that's the only real solution. Uh, yeah. That's how Jesus put up with all of that. You know, he was persecuted everywhere he went. I know, but he lived within his Father, and if we live there, God provides outlets for us. You know, I have several places where I can reside. You know, with my family, in my job, I can lose myself in things that I love and things that I enjoy, mm -hmm. to where I can just for times shut the outside world off in order to be able to communicate yeah. with my father and, and restore my own spirit. You know, every day out on the road, I see things and, and it, 
it disturbs me, it upsets me, and, and I have to have those those places, those times where I can just get away, and and that's what I do. Because well, it helps when you're a solitary person like I have been for many yeah, many years. Yeah. No, I I you know I think that's the that's the thing. As we get older, we we become more and more solitary, and people around us are passing on and. And then, yeah. you know, it just becomes God, 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 pretty much the whole thing. And, and you know, like God's preparing us. Uh, it's just gotten, his voice gotten so much bigger. And then, of course, what we've got, what I have to do, I think, you know, just in my own walk, is just stop the self-critical um, thing and just get on with it. You know what I mean? It's it's uh, But that's being stripped away more and more, so there's no time for that because... I wake up in the morning, and next thing you know, the sun's going down. So I, I've got no time to, to screw around now. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just like you know. It's, so everything takes on a different meaning. It's like okay, so the Lord is in the things we're doing. He's having us doing things like we're doing things that are may seem important to in a worldly way, but I mean, utterly unimportant in a spiritual sense. And but then you see the the what the Lord is doing with that. You know what I mean? He's doing something while you're doing something else. He's he's processing you like he's he's he he's preparing us. Yes. You know, and he's building us. And and he's getting what he wants. <laughs> he's getting what yes. he what he had designed and 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 he's getting a result. And the only way that I, I want to tell people, you know, cuz I wrote I always you know, I'm I'm brushing up against hopelessness versus hope. And I know a lot of people feel hopeless. Well, the thing is is though there's not one thing here that surprises the Lord. Not one thing that is a uh, anything other than what was uh, expected to happen. Amen. And, Amen to that. And the Lord is working this. You may not see it, but see, when I go with faith and I know that no matter how evil it is, he's going to work it for good. And he's, it's going to all turn out good in the end, and then there'll be, you'll see the reason. I think the reason is to process us, to make us fit for him, if you will. To, yes. to where there's no equivocation, there's no no doubt, and there is perfect peace. And um, you know, and I think the other thing is, he's going to just you know the love of the world and the things of the world. He's going to just make sure that he just beats that out. You know, he 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 he. he it's like we're in the we're in the on the threshing floor, right? He's going to. He's gonna. Oh yes. He's gonna get that out of there. That that love of, um, you know, I don't know, achievement, self-aggrandizement, material things. Uh, I don't know what you know, uh, uh, you know. I guess the big thing is how you look in your selfies. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I, I I went through that, Zeb. You know, I think I mentioned this to you when uh, we were down in Tennessee. That. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, when I when I first had the my experience with God in that jail cell all those years ago, you know, I didn't understand what it was all about. I understood that I had a God, and I went off trying to serve God, and I was going to bring all of that worldly uh, knowledge and stuff with me, you know, and I was going to be a superstar for God. <laughs> well, I found out God didn't really need any superstars, and he spent the better part of 15 or 20 years just with me on that threshing floor, just beating all of that stuff out of me, one thing at a time, one stroke at a time, until I almost couldn't take it anymore. And then he touched me and healed me and rebuilt the man that he wanted me to be. 
Uh, and I'm not perfect by any any stretch, believe me. But uh, well, you wouldn't recognize me if I stood next to the old me. You well, wouldn't recognize me anymore. Well, he gave you that gift of uh, communication and discernment and wisdom that you can speak about him and about, you know, all the things about him and, and communicate that to other people. And those well, are, it, yeah, it's right. the way he's led me on, you know. I mean, it isn't just the the intimate relationships. It's the fact that there was nobody else. You know, I've lived uh, alone unto God other than my children and, and celibate unto God for 40 years. And, and that brings God into a kind of focus that, I don't know, maybe it's not available any other way, or maybe it, was, it wasn't available to me in any other way. Uh, and it hasn't been uncomfortable. Matter of fact, it's been a blessed walk. Uh, you know, I'm never lonely, even though I'm alone most of the time, as other people see it. But God is always right there with me, even just when I'm doing something simple like driving on the road, which most people consider monotonous. To me, it gets me in the flow of the spirit and, and I can abandon myself and become one in God when I'm doing something I love and all that. And that's a part of what he's built in me where I see him in a different way, perhaps, than some other people do as as very active, very involved within my life. You know, I, I, I almost don't take a breath without thinking about my father. Yeah, well, that's that's where it goes. More and more each day, that's where it goes. And we have our tasks, yes. we have things we do. And, and then, um, you know, with me, you know, I can sense what he wants me to be doing. And then I'm, you know, sometimes I'm uh, not doing as much as I should be. But um, well, we all feel that way. Yeah. I feel that. No, yeah, yeah. But I think it's, it would, in my case, he's, you know, it's, it's communicating things like writing and fiction and music and, you know, rebellious works, I would just call them. Again, right, rebellious works that when you finally see the dual, because I think my ministry, if there is one, it's really to expose the dual nature of the deception. It's sort of, what do we call that? The, um, you well, know, you're the watchman on the wall, Seth. Uh, you're, you're the prophet of our day. And and you see these things coming, and and your calling is magnificent. It's what drew me to you uh, all those years ago. My calling is different. My calling is to teach people, to prepare people for what's to come. Now, yours is beautiful. And, you're, you're, you're poetry, and you're, you know, folks, you got to get to Kanita's Ramble on um, on Spreaker, and uh, also on Facebook is poetry that he's, uh, and also Substack. And, uh, yeah, Substack. Substack is, is kind of cool, yeah. I haven't been there in a while. I should be, but I've got to get. I like there. Substack. Uh, I actually get more listeners sometimes on Substack than I do on Spreaker. So yeah, well, I know that. Uh, I just feel like I don't have any freedom anymore. I feel like the Lord's kind of leading it, but He gets a kick out of. Oh my dear, what is it now? Uh, oh, you're so sweet. Oh, yeah, good morning. This good dog, dog is good morning, Benson. He, good morning, he, ben. he is so cool. He, um, they, there's never been one podcast since he's been there that he hasn't, you know, been. He gets right behind me, so I can't <laughs> lean back. He sits there and he usually has his rope, and then that, then he gets bored with that. And eventually, when I'm talking, he says, Well, what about me? You know, he's now he's sitting, no, 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 Ben. He starts and then he tries to sneak chew on the couch 
he he's been really good about the teething. We still have a lot of pillows and couches and socks, but you know, but then he he does a thing where he sneaks up on it. Like he'll put something on you, like if he wants to bite you. He, you know, he's not supposed to bite anybody, but he, eventually you feel his teeth kind of, you know, just sort of gnawing. Yeah, and it's so funny how smart he is in that way to try to pull yes. pull a trick. And uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, he's been right. You know, he's the kind of dog that um, whoever you are, he is. And we tested him uh, in Houston. We had him out at the. There's a great dog park there uh, that we like to go to. And um, it's a real chance to run with a big dog. So we didn't know what he would do. And there's pit bulls and shepherds and, you know, all kinds of dogs, you know, all kinds of uh, sizes. But, I mean, they're all pretty powerful. And he got out there and he just ran and ran and ran. And he was just, like, bonding with all the dogs. He was just a really cool hang. You know, just, we, we learned right there. We didn't have to do anything. Just let him go. And he'll just run himself into being tired. And, yeah. uh, he sounds like a great dog. He's just one of these, he's very tactile. He's very like, okay. So, so if Trish gets up and I'm still sleeping, he'll jump in on that side of the bed and then kind of slowly work his way toward my ear. What he wants to do is he wants to lick my head. He wants me to get up, but he tries to make it look like he's just chilling. You know what I mean? And he gets a little closer and pretty soon aware that Ben's is right there. I can feel his breath. Yeah. And it's the cutest thing, really. It's just, like, adorable. But uh, he he just, um, and he's strong. Yeah. The, the other thing is he pulled Trish and I, both of us, over. And you wouldn't, if you look at him, you wouldn't see it. But when I've seen him straining, though, like that, I see his muscles. He's half, you know, American Pit and half Greyhound. So that's yeah. it. So it doesn't look that's like. a muscular dog. He doesn't look like he's got that oh. much power. Uh, but he does, and he has more more strength than um, you know our shepherd, than Molly or uh, Dasha. He had more, a lot more uh, body strength. Because I can handle both of those, but Ben's when he, yeah. you know, so I'm I'm teaching him. The last thing I taught him was he wouldn't, you know, you know folks. I'm taking a little, you know, I digress. Um, I I uh, he was um, he would always jump on now Eli's old he's grandpa Eli now and yeah. and he's uh you know he needs Ben's not to jump on him if he's trying to get in the car we have to put a little step there for him you know to get in the <laughs> yeah. car and then then he would just harass her I mean harass Eli sorry he would just you know and so we had to hold him back on a leash you know and hold him hold him pull him back so I taught him the other day I actually had him you know stay and he was right there at my feet outside the garage so giving Eli plenty of time to, to get in. And as soon as Eli was in, then he went in. So we'll try to work with that, you know. Um, Got to teach him a lot more stuff, though, too, like how to stop in the middle of the field and return yeah. and, you know, stay. and What? <laughs> and without, without a leash, but without pulling on the leash. Yeah. And um, But anyway, he was uh, funny because I, I chose him out of the uh, – it was a um, uh, Santa Fe Animal Shelter, and it's they do a great job. It's a it's a wonderful place. They've got dog runs, and you know the dog, but the dogs, you know, they're in these little cubicle things, and you know, and they're looking the at you. And I, we were going to leave because the dog, what we had thought we wanted, it just wasn't happening for some. They had the, the cold or something. Um, and on the way out, I said, "What about this guy?" You know, and he was up you know, with his paws. He was a little puppy they just got. 
And so we took him out in the yard and um, had uh, Eli hang out with him, and they both started digging a hole in the mud. <laughs> and so, so I thought, oh, that's perfect. And then this lady went, walked by, and she says, uh, that's the best dog here. You know, get him. And, um, and I, you know, so I, I guess he knows that I chose him, and he's been like that, like that with me. Ever since, you know, just not leaving my well, side. there's there's always the possibility, Zap, that he chose you. He chose me. He was right there, and he wouldn't let me go. He was so cute. You know, he had another yeah. dog in there with him, and he he'd jump up to where he could greet you in this little cubicle thing. And I just he was the last one on the way out. You know, the last, next step was the door, and it was just like, wait a second, wh- who's this? Yeah, and uh, he's um. The other thing I can say about him is he's a, uh, well, most people cut the tails off. We didn't cut his tail off. That tail's a deadly weapon. <laughs> I just, yeah. That thing is so strong. But I just, we just didn't cut it off. You know, that just wasn't going to happen. And um, he's the kind of dog you see uh, in New Mexico on ranches that, uh, get, you know, really good at gathering, um, you know, shepherding, just, you know, cattle mm-hmm. and fast. And on hunting, uh, because they're very good with going out and you, know, you shoot a duck, you can get the duck and bring it. And yeah. uh, th- that's where you see this kind of dog. And um, and then, of course, really good on this <clears throat> acreage we have, he's, uh, he's uh, you know, it looks like he's always been here. So it's, I guess it was a God thing because, you know, God put him where he belongs. Yeah, I, I've often felt that... Uh... And this is kind of a silly thing to say, but uh, I think God looked down and, and saw how much trouble we were having as a species, and he almost, like he sent the dog along to help us get through. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yes. So many times when I'm upset, I got both of them waiting for me. And yeah. they'll, they'll gather close, and they'll wait for me to come out of it. And, and then maybe take them somewhere, but I mean, they, they wait. And they they yeah. have, they send you vibes of healing. Sure, they do. They they know how to comfort us. They know how to to change our mood to get us up. I mean, I get home at night sometimes, especially on a long run. It might be seven thirty eight o'clock, and I'm tired. But as soon as I open that door, I am refreshed because the my dogs are right there. They're so happy to see me, and they're jumping up and down. And, and yeah, so yeah. it, it kind of restores my whole spirit at the end of a day. Oh yeah, you know, they're just great to have around. They, they really are. Yeah. No, God sent the dog to help man through the grief and then also to help us uh, pass over to the other side to die. Because when they die, they're like, it's no, they want, they communicate. Well, they communicate with me. It's no big deal. They're not afraid. They go, you know, no. they know it's their time. Then they go into death. And when Dasha yes. died, you know, she'd say goodbye. And then she walked out to the kitchen area and had a drink of water and uh, the next thing I heard was a, the uh, the water bowl go like she kicked the water bowl like kicking the bucket and it and it hit against the wall hard you know, like bing you know and, and then I, I knew about two in the morning I said she's dead and then Trish got it got up around four or something and she goes you know Dasha's dead I said I know and she died of yes. she, she had um she had a heart uh, failure, and I think, and there was no way we could get any help to her. It just suddenly came on, and she just suddenly died. Yeah. It was like on a Sunday. Yeah. So there was no vet available. Um, I always wondered if it had to do with the uh, 
having people that had been jabbed working here in the house. Could that have been it? I, I, I just, I, I don't know. You know, she, she died around nine years old. Yeah, and that's young, really, for a dog to die. You know, my dogs are both uh, 12 years old or 11 and 12 now. So uh, I'm hoping they're still in the prime of life. Well, uh, Eli is, uh, this dog gave Eli a boost because he's got to be 15 by now. And uh, he just went all the way to uh, Florida and then Houston. And he's been all over the place. And it seemed like, to me, he looked younger you know, it's all, oh, Eli might feel a burden if he's old, he, he can't travel. But when he was traveling, it sort of rejuvenated him, you know? Yes. It, he's in the mix. And uh, he was on the dog park and he was running and he was galloping. And, you know, sometimes he falls over because of back legs, but uh, he's doing pretty well with that. <clears throat> so I'm, you know, so I'm, uh, you know, but it, it doesn't take the sadness away that these dogs keep, like people, keep coming and going by the yeah. way we left off with the jane fonda thing and i just wanted to you know i i know how you most people felt but i just saw her yeah. on the view and it really hit me you know she's really skinny you know she reminded me of my mother it's god it really triggered me to had you know really skinny and like had a wig on i thought i wonder if she's getting cancer treatments or something but she was really very frail and skinny compared to everyone else and they were talking about um, people that disagree, you know, the, the right wing or the GOP or people that disagree with abortion or the pro-life people. And then, and, and I could tell there's something wrong with her. She didn't look like herself. Uh, she, frankly, she looked like a demon. And she says, and her eyes were weird. And she goes, murder, murder. And everyone said, no, don't say that. Don't say that. You know, you get stuff written about you. And uh, and then she gave a look like who 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 what, I care what do you th- what do you mean I'm serious we got to fight she goes we got to fight and she means murder yes Jane Fonda is one of those people that I, I believe is not really there anymore no I don't think she's there now the way she blurted that out was uh, but it was again I've seen this before and I think what she's doing is blurting out the spirit of the of the the pro-abortion movement, the, the spirit toward people that disagree on any of their agenda. It's very, very interesting because if you disagree with the, uh, you know, any of it, what, what they really want is you dead. Yes. And we've been hiding this fact. They want us dead. They, if you don't like abortion, you should be dead now. Or white people should just be gunned down in the street. Or whatever. Oh, yeah. or, you know, and all of it is the most, you see the, the, the demons rolling around and you see the, what it, it, they won't say all that stuff. And we keep thinking there's a coexistence, but they have no intention of coexisting with anyone that disagrees with, and as it evolves, you know, pronouns and this and that and the other thing, and if you disagree along the way, uh, sorry, but now you need to be killed. That's the hit, that's the driver, the murder instinct. And they all want to murder, you know, and it's, I, you know, I'm, I'm watching it and I'm watching people try to be, have a dialectic or, you know, talk back to them or when they say something on Twitter and they try to act like they're being reasonable, but then I see the spirit and I see, no, no, what they really want is, 
I guess, a world of an ab- abominations, you know, like, you know, beyond Sodom and Gomorrah, just something that's like, you know, people are being just gunned down in the street and raped and hacked to death and not unlike what we've seen before in the world, but yes. it, it's, uh, it's, it's just, it's, that spirit is just so prevalent. And I tell yes, people, I go, they want a world of, of, of zombies, Seth. That's what they want. They want a world of zombies that has no spiritual connection, no reason to live other than serving them. That's what they want. And that's what they're trying to get. That's why you see all these things where they're, this new technology and AI is coming on. It's going to replace workers doing this and workers doing that. And they're doing that because uh, they don't expect us to be around. So they have to have somebody that will do the things that ordinary people do, you know, working people. And they don't, they're going to kill us all. That's, and it's going to be, though, like you've always said, those that are their very supporters, the hardline people, they're the ones going to get killed first. You know, and, and uh, you know, that's what they're planning. They're planning a great mass murder. That's why murder to them is nothing. It's simply a means to an end. A human life is worth nothing to them unless it's involved within their sphere of influence. It means nothing to them. And we are even worse because they can't go around us and they can't go through us. If we stand in the spirit, we're their worst enemy. We're their worst nightmare and they know it and they can't get away from us. We're like a virus that's infiltrated their body and they just can't get away from us. And so they hate us and they want to kill us. They want to... uh, defame us they want to do anything they can to make us irrelevant but what they don't understand is it's it's not me that that makes myself relevant or you that makes yourself relevant it's the spirit of god that lives within us that makes us relevant and they can't do anything about that they can't pitch it out they can't overcome it they can't conquer it they can kill us but they can't kill the spirit that lives within us yes and they're terrified of that we're the only thing that stands between them and getting what they want. Uh, and, and we're the only thing that stood between them and getting what they want for generations, uh, millennia even, perhaps. You know, they've tried this one world government thing uh, over and over well, again. That's the basis. It's the basis of every empire that's ever existed. Uh, uh, well, Caesar, you know, Caesar didn't do too well. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it's all, all these empires have fallen, um, you know, due to lust for power decadence, you know, the usual stuff and, yes. and, um, and perversion. I mean, Roman society, you know, it was, uh, I want to add one more thing to this. Like, I hate to put it in the, you know, you know, well, it's, it's like part of this LGBTQ kind of, you know, woke, uh, BLM, whatever George Soros thing, you take it another step. As I've said, and I've been warning, and I don't know, very few listen, and even if you did listen, you couldn't stop it. But the next step is to be the, the, the open murders, the, the violence as entertainment. I mean, not, yes. not fictional, but real. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I saw an image of Carrie, remember the Brian De Palma film Carrie, who's, you know, you know, Sissy Spacek, and I remember and that. We all, we all love that one. And, um, but why did we love it? You see, that's now coming to bear. I said, okay, Grabby's 2024, and there's Carrie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Killing everyone in the audience. I can see it. Yeah. I can see that very clearly, whether it be a, a stage terrorist attack or something. 
Um, go back to uh, Ariana Grande, who's you know known to hate her audience. Um, you know, one of the people that kind of I, I tuned into that I understood that pop stars hate their audiences or they don't become pop stars. Those that have gratitude and thanks and all that don't make it. Those who hate their audience and piss on everybody and treat everybody like shit, they, they become the stars. Anyway, so here she is. There's a terrorist attack at the, in Paris. And they, it was a nasty one. They killed a bunch of people with these, you know... Uh, Bombs that had nails in them, right? They're driving nails through people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then and it, she had almost no reaction, no sympathy whatsoever. If she did, it wasn't published. And then later on, she starts talking about how evil white people are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where most of her audience is white. And, uh, but, but it's irrelevant what color anyone is, isn't it? I mean, that's not something that we would ever even look at. So that means, of course... No. You know, we don't look Most at- of the people I deal with on a daily basis uh, are a different ethnic group. They're Chinese. They're Thai. They're Taiwanese. They're yeah. Japanese, Korean. You know. Yeah. And yeah. I don't. I don't see any difference. They're all good folks. You no, know. I, I. I. Yeah. It's but they want to impose it on you. I have a theory about this too. They are racist. Yes. And so they yes. are um, intolerant. They are non-inclusive in their clubs. You know, because you're either down or you're kicked out. Um, therefore, they project onto people that don't even know what's going on, or, you know, not even, not even part of it, as the enemy, is everyone else but them. And that's how they live. Yes. That's yeah, that, live. that's their whole worldview. Yeah. And so when you're a little click. In, in China, for example, they won't put up with any of this stuff, you know, so they're, they're planning on taking over. The, the emasculation of men is to me, a military tactic. It is. It is. But China will not take over. No, I don't think China will take over, but I'm saying they won't, they're not going that way with their men. They want masculinity. They no. want, you know, they honor the two sexes and, and all that, that, uh, you know, they honor uh, families and, you know, even though they're totalitarian, <laughs> um, you know, worship the emperor. Um, they, uh, you know, they're, they're going, they understand the, 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 um, Disintegration of society happens from within. Yes. And, yes. It ha- and, and actually, they're probably a part of our disintegration, I suspect. You know, Chinese will take a very long-term approach oh, yeah. to defeating the yes. United States. And weakening us from within is something mm-hmm. that both they and the uh, Soviet Union of old were, were very good at and, and very effective uh, yeah. in what they did. Yeah, I've, I've been thinking about the, uh, the opium wars. Lately, just about yeah. reading about it and just um, how that, that long vengeance and then about, you know, the fentanyl coming in and no one can do anything about it. It's almost like, you know, Biden's given them permission to kill so many people to make up for the whatever America and, and Britain did in the opium war, you know. And, um, you know, and they're, they're doing, you know, they're doing a fine job of it. It, it, it truly is. Look, look, Charles, everything that we talked about over the last 20 years and that we've thought about and written about and everything has come due. So I guess the rest of it will too. Yes. Yes, I believe it will. And I believe uh, we're right on the cusp of seeing it, it come together. Uh, you know, I've often kind of delayed saying I think we're in the last days, but it's hard not to think that anymore as I look around and mm-hmm. see what's going on. 
Yeah, uh, I've always yeah. had this idea that I would be a part of that, that those that were uh, killed in the last days. And that may still be true, although I'm getting old now. I may drop dead first. So it doesn't matter really, you know, because no. I, I look at death as, you know, death is just a part of life. It's not anything to be concerned about or worried about it. You know, it's just we move on. It's, it's just that simple. It's not something that we need to fret about and sit and worry about all day. Praise God that, that we're going to join him. And if that's what they want to do with me, uh, you know, okay. I'm not saying I won't fight him a little bit, but, uh, you know, I never went down easy anyway. <laughs> no, I, I, it's, it's, no, come on. It's gotten to the point, though, now where like, if you don't see it, it, it it's such a gimme. It's such a, it's a, a, a lobbed softball right over the plate. You know what I mean? He's, he's, yes. He's, uh, he's all wound up here and he doesn't want to leave my side. He's, come on, Ben. But, well, I believe eyes will be open, Zeph. I, I, I believe in, in John's vision or his dream yes. because I've also had that same dream. Uh, I believe God will open the eyes of his people, uh, but it, boy, it sure seems like he's he's taking his time. You know, when we look at the way world events are going, but that's the thing: we have to believe in God, trust Him, and accept His timetable because He yes. understands and knows. No, I'm not. I'm, it's hard to understand, but I'm not going to question. It him. is. I'm not going to question Him because I know the, that my faith says, you know, He is real, and he, what He says He's going to do, He's going to do, and He's already done it, and so. I know it's I, I know, but I what's hard to understand is the suffering and the and then but then I look around and and how the people are brainwashed and I think he wants the brainwash to wake up enough to make a decision either yay or nay. Yes, you know and uh, and you know he's um, he's saying okay you don't believe it now how about this I'll just put the whole uh, you know conspiracy theory all of them in your face is true now what do you say and they got their heads in the sand still and they keep going to work or doing this or doing their same pattern and not answering the question. Yes. <laughs> and the question is, you know, do you, you know, what side are you on? Are you on the side? Cause really there's only one side. I mean, so it's like this, but the default is, well, if you don't choose God, obviously if you don't choose reality, then you would be an unreality or evil. Yes. Yes. And if you choose good, well, we're not good, you know. We're sinners because we have flesh, but at the same time, you know, Jesus is good, paid for our sins. We've been exonerated. We've been redeemed. We're standing in 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 the in the holy of holies within ourselves right now, this moment. Could you believe that we are actually, you know, tabernacles of the Most High God? That's right. Right. We now. are the holy of holies within each of us, Seth. The yeah. holy of holies is within each of us. Yes. Uh, you know, so we are holy beings. There was a reason Paul called us saints, you know, and it's not because we're perfect. It's because no. we carry the holy image of God within us, you know, and uh, that's the whole difference between what, what we understand and, and the life we live and uh, the lives we see around us. That, that's the difference entirely. There used to be a lot of people who get mad at me, you know, um, for, I don't know, for standing there. And now I don't get that anymore. I'm getting a lot of, uh, a lot of approval, you know, like, like I've been seeing a lot of people 
coming to the Lord, you know, because they're, they're seeing me now not as a threat. They're seeing me as not taking away their, you know, candy or whatever. <laughs> you know, they see me as not being a law enforcement officer. They see me as not being a judger. You know what I'm saying? They're seeing me as like, uh, you know, maybe a light bringer. Well, yeah, I, and, and a healer and, you know, helper, you know, I help her, which is what I'm trying to do, which is what we do. And, you know, and come on along as this uh, movie's about to end. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 there may be some funny songs like Highway to Hell and all that, but believe me, it ain't going to be no party, <laughs> you know, missing out. No, is, it isn't. Is it a party now? Because I assure you, it's not going to be a party later. I mean, is this a party? You know, I mean, I understand the need for young people to really, you know, go all out with everything. And that, that feeling of euphoria, it feels like it's going to last forever because time yeah. is slow then when you're like 18, 19, you know, 20. Yeah, it is. And, yeah, it is. And they're doing everything. They're saying, well, my parents are stupid. And now look at me. I'm liberated. I've, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm non-binary this and I'm that. And I'm, look at those old cisgender uh, white people. I'm, even though I'm white, I'm not white anymore. <laughs> I, I'm. I'm just a, a sexual being and I'm a, I like drugs and I love music and I love the lime. I love all this stuff. And, um, you know, so we're accelerating through that. And what's I think happening, you know, prophetically is it's, we're accelerating so fast through that now, not like the sixties to where it's like a lot of these people are saying, you mean that's all there is for my, uh, for my, um, obedience. That's all I get. That's all it is. I'm tired of the rave parties. I'm tired of, you know, just, you know, you know, sex being meaningless, like going to the bathroom or something or drinking a glass of water like that. Was I'm tired of all this non-intimacy with people. I'm tired of all this confusion. I'm not at peace. I'm, my, my head's going crazy. I feel like oh, we're at war with something. I, you know, I'm, I'm being controlled. I, I'm not free. And they start to realize that, I think, if they get accelerated, that, you know, it doesn't work. It really doesn't work. And then, you know, all the black magic and stuff, and then that doesn't work either. You know, so then they want to get more and more violent and more and more obedient to that. And that's not going to, you know, it's just, it, it's just not going to sustain Charles. It's just going to fall. And that's the young people. I mean, you go all the way up the ladder. The kids discover that mom and dad are on the same page. Well, that must be a mind blower, huh? Yeah. When they find yeah, out that, uh, they haven't rebelled against anything. No, no. And, but that's, that's the, that's every generation. I think comes along. It's just this generation is different. And somehow, you know, the Bible says, it talks about, there is a generation that, that, that is about to come that, that knows only evil, that doesn't appreciate the things of their parents and all that. I, I'm not quoting that very well. I'd have uh, to look it up to see exactly. Well, it's in Revelation. It's in Revelation. It's in, um, it's, uh, in, it's in uh, Proverbs somewhere. It's in also in Paul's writings. And, um, yes, it's, um, um, uh, and we see this generation now, Zeph, we see this generation coming in power now and within 10 years, they will be the power brokers of this country if we survive 10 years. And I believe we will. Uh, I believe that's a part of it. When, uh, it's uh, from uh, also from two Timothy three, one through five. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's there too. And, um, yes, it's mentioned again and again. So it says you, you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society 
Oh, I like the way they put that. Uh, uh, will become extremely fierce. People will be yes. self, self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They yes. will ignore their own families. They will be grateful and ungodly. Ungra- I'm sorry, ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and, and malicious slander. Slaves yes. to their desires, they will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. With brutal yeah. treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and, and, and wrapped in clouds of their conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasure of this world more than the pleasure uh, of the loving God. They may yes. pretend to have respect for God. But in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these. Yes. It said, don't yes, even try those, to talk to them. Words, don't even those tra- words are very important words for people to read and, and understand what they mean these days. 2 Timothy 3 is a very good chapter for people to begin. Uh, but this is uh, so prophetic. I mean, the fact that we, you know, we're reading it right now, and it hits on every point. It does. My God. It does. More so than even if you went back to the 50s or 60s or times past, it's, it's even more accurate now because there's just so many more people on this page. Yes. It's, it's coming much more into focus and, and much more reality in our lives. You know, I see these kind of people everywhere, I, especially I see them on the road. You know, you can tell the, the way they act towards other people, the way they care, that they're only interested in themselves. They're, they're not concerned with anything else or anyone else. And I see these kind of people. I see them all the time. And, and I basically, you know, I try to ignore them or avoid them. You know, yeah. that's pretty much all you can do. When we got down to, it's funny, the, the, the drivers, I was, you know, an analysis of the drivers from, from New Mexico to Florida, and you get down to Florida, down to say the I seventy five, heading down, uh, uh, I guess toward the uh, you know to the west coast, east eastern in Florida, uh, western Florida. Um, you know, you, there's one thing you notice: it's just straight out. The on ramps don't have that that long before you have to merge. You know. Yeah. And they'll do anything in their power to make sure you don't get on that on ramp. <laughs> That you don't, oh yeah, that you don't, you know, that you're, and then if you do kind of cut in, you know, because otherwise you'd be stopped there in the on ramp and then blocking traffic, um, you, you know, so you squeak in, they'll just stay on your ass, you know. I mean, they're just like, uh, you know, they're, you know, I said, you know, these guys, this, I don't remember Florida being like this, but it's changed the last couple of years, and uh, the rest of the states are, you know, um, Texas would be another one where people are really, you know, uh, just the same way, pretty similar to, to Florida. And I, I don't think there's a political parallel. I just think it's because the economy of Texas is, you know, booming. The economy of Florida is booming. Uh, the economy of certain areas of Florida, no. Certain areas of Texas, no, is changing. But compared to, say, states in the south like Mississippi, Alabama, others, um, those two states are really, really going you wouldn't even know there was a financial disaster as there as, as there really is and then there's a lot of things i observe where i just pull off at random and uh i see a street and i can't tell you what street but it's a street that had strip malls and restaurants and 
whatever, you know, in, in Urban Street, uh, and, and another one, and another one, uh, as I had to get gas, go to truck stops, whatever, and all the stores are empty, except for, say, the dollar uh, store. And uh, it's very interesting. It wasn't like that. So this is around the country, you know, around the yes. what used to be suburbia, I suppose, and was filled with people and kids on bikes and all kinds of things. And uh, if you look now, I mean, if you do some driving around the country, I think you'll find it's, 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 it's empty. And then uh, through Texas, uh, western Texas, I found that we drove uh, up to Lubbock from um, uh, Junction, Texas, about 100 miles west of uh, uh, San Antonio. And th- there were hours we drove, there just wasn't anyone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, South uh, North Dakota are like that when I lived out there. Yeah, you could go for hours without seeing anybody. You, you could fit billions of people in what we saw, and you wouldn't even, you know, you wouldn't, it w- wouldn't even be weird. And yet, no people and businesses out of business and no gas station, no help, you know, and, and no cars, you know, a weekend, but nothing going on. And farmland, as far as you can see, in, in, you know, in upper mid, mid Texas, as far as you can see, uh, you know, just ready to go, the ground tilled, ready for the plant, you know, ready for the uh, planting, the, the, the uh, you know, everything, you know, ready, no people around, but all this farmland, all this abundance, all this empty space everywhere. There's so much empty space, it's like there's no people on earth. Yes. And yet these lunatics, and it was too crowded and all that, there's no such thing. It, it, it's a complete, their, their lie is an abomination lie. It's, there is no such thing. And then they cite Africa and the poverty of Africa and Bangladesh and different places. And yes, there's poverty there because people have mismanaged the abundant resources. And instead of managing it correctly, they send in Bill Gates to uh, vaccinate. It's, well, there's poverty in a lot of places because of colonialism and, and, and their own efforts. These people mm-hmm. that, that are running the world today are the same people that, that ran the colonialism and, and, and destroyed the, uh, you know, the uh, economies of uh, all of the third world. Right. They did it on purpose because they wanted to destroy the people. You know, these people, they don't have the love and the, the love of life that, that we possess within us. They hate life. They hate men. They hate everybody. You know, they have one thing, and that's their relationship with this evil, with Satan, if you want to put it, oh, draw right, personality yeah, yeah, to it. Yeah. And outside of that, they have nothing but hatred because their master has nothing but hatred. And that's all he can give them, power and hatred. And that's what they accept, and that's their lives now. And and there's no, you can't talk with these people. You can't open up a channel for discussion. You can't change their minds. It's as, as if they're zombies. And they know only one thing, to kill and to destroy and to corrupt. And that's what they've done. And, and it's gotten to the point now where their corruption has been embedded within our own society. And once a, a nation gets to that point, then there's only judgment, you know, beyond that. Right, and falls. Uh, yes. And then, of course, judgment and um, the division of souls uh, to, wherever they've, to wherever they've decided to go. So don't look to blame this one on anybody else. God has been so patient, 
and he's had all of us suffer all these generations. And you now that we, when we see there's God, we, you know, when I saw there was God and I saw it was a person, I saw it was real, I, I just leapt at it and I never looked back, you know, I didn't look back. And I kept writing stuff and grappling with the evil in me and writing horror stories and all kinds of things. It wasn't, you know, they give you a fake Christian, a fake godliness, a fake thing to do, a fake yes. conformity into Christ, a fake, you know, Jesus thing. They're right there. They were there with the fake Jesus just on day one. They, you know, they brought me a John MacArthur study Bible, and I opened it up to Luke seventeen twenty one, and and he goes, you know, the kingdom of Jesus says the kingdom of don't look over here over there. Kingdom of God is within you, and and oh, good old John goes, that means the group it you know that is gathered right there. The kingdom of God is you know amongst us. Yeah, you know, as long as we stick together. <laughs> And I just, you know, I just rolled my eyes and I went down to his church and then I got, I, I saw the problem, you know, immediately, except for the people in wheelchairs. They were all cool. You know, God says, those are mine in the wheelchairs. See, they're for real. <laughs> but everybody else, it's got, uh, the system's got them. And uh, yes. then they go play church and, you know, the more violent it's gotten, the more things have fallen apart, the closer these people come to waking up. So like you said, it's going to start in the church. The, the people are going to see the church is doing evil. I still stick by my Elijah prediction that Elijah's return is throwing these evil pastors on their ear out of these pulpits. Yes. It hasn't happened yes. yet. It's coming. It's great. It's coming. God, God, God will clean his house. Yeah, amen. God will clean his house. I love it. I just, yeah, but it's going to have to come from inside in each place. Yes. It's going to have to come from, you know, the people in the congregation have to grow a pair and just, you know, stand up and say, you know, this is a war. And like you've been telling us to, you know, be in the system and rehabilitating the homeless by getting them jobs and ha they have to sell out to get the job. And then they, you want you, then you want them to give you a tithe every week. I mean, I see what's going on. I see the circular thing here. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it's, um, and I don't know. I, a lot of times I don't even know why I came here, but I've, I've got to get ready for the next, uh, round. I'm, I'm just going to you know, keep pushing to the, to the end. No point sitting there feeling bad because that just mounts up on you and you, you're no good to anybody then. Well, yeah, that, that has an impact on you more than it does anybody else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You yeah. know. All we can do is live in the spirit, live in our prayer, and and walk as God has shown us how to walk, and and we will have an impact beyond what we we believe. I don't think my my podcasts have very big an impact, but God says they're going where He wants them to go, so they're having the impact I guess they need. Uh, you know, so I you know that's not something we need to worry about. You know, we simply need to obey our Father, and all the rest is going to take care of itself. But yeah. people don't have that kind of faith anymore. You so, know, they think they have to do something in order to change it, and that's not the way God works. No. See, that's the thing. If we could do something, but then he won't. That just doesn't count. Now, how do you keep tuned into God all day long? I mean, you know, to, it, as much as you need. How do you know you're really in his spirit, in his grace, in his plan? How can you – does your spirit tell you or does your, your mind tell you? How does it work? I think my, my whole being tells me, you know, it's, it's something, well, I wrote something the other day about 
when I get in the flow when I'm driving and all of that. It's that kind of thing. My my mind begins to, to slow down and shut down, and I allow my spirit to just take control of what's going on around me. And, and that kind of shields me in a way because I don't feel the personal impact that I would if it was just me as a man. Uh, so that, that helps, but I think it's, it's the whole idea of understanding who you are in God and who he is within you. And once we get that part down, then God can actually begin to work within us and use us in ways that we never imagined. Uh, you know, there are times with all of us when we're witnessing just by walking down the street, uh, you know, I remember you once said something on one of your podcasts years and years ago about how upsetting it would be if a child of God ever walked into a hospital and just started curing people as he walked across the floors. And, and the yeah. people would be outraged. Uh, they wouldn't be thankful oh. and all of that. They'd be outraged. And and that's so true. And yet a lot of so many people, when you say something like that, they miss it entirely. You know, they miss the point you were trying to make. Uh, almost entirely, uh, but but you were being absolutely truthful. You know, if this kind of thing were to happen today, they would crucify the guy that did it. <laughs> you know, if somebody oh. walked into the, the cancer research center and held out his arms, and you know, in the Holy Spirit and cured cancer and said, that's the end of cancer, they'd want to kill you. That's one of the biggest money makers the doctors have. <laughs> you know, the, our whole medical industry is geared on treating you and keeping you ill rather than curing you. There's no money in if you cure no, somebody. No, yeah. But if you keep them ill and you keep making them take the drugs and see the doctors and all of this, well, there's a lot of money to be made in that. At you the know, same time, cancer, though, yes. if you're good to these lambs, you know, these people that are blocking all your profits, all of a sudden you realize the greatest wealth in the world and the greatest profit uh, is the gift from God for helping take care of the lambs, and then, then on top of that, a chance at redemption. Yes, as, as yes. Patrick none, none would say, none of us would have survived this F without the Holy Spirit. You, me, even the people that are listening to us, they they would not be here without the presence of God. No, because you, you would know, make a mistake and make a wrong move, and that would be the end of you. Yes, That's, yes, and and they're waiting around every corner, you know. <laughs> I mean, people <laughs> no. still. I I still I to this day get cars that'll that'll want to follow along. They'll they'll ride five feet behind me for thirty miles and stuff, you know. And and I just turn them over to God. I don't worry about them. I'll blow them a kiss in the mirror if they want to. I don't care. Let them do what they want. They've been tagged. God knows who they are. They've identified themselves. Yeah. And whatever oh, yes. happens, we went it's on a, their head, not we, mine. We went through a big one this year, and. Um, you know, this was a major warfare um, coming, you know, pretty much from uh, an individual or individuals, let's say. And um, it ended, you know, it, it, God prevailed, of course, and but it was tough I mean, during the, the, the time. And, um, you know, I look, as I look back, I'm trying to assess whether I, how I performed during that and, and how I, you know, probably I, there's room for improvement. You know what I mean? But but at the same time, um, you know, it ended because we just had total faith in God, and then he took care of it in his time. And sometimes, you know, when you pray, it doesn't just happen right there. Okay, now it's gone. Yeah. Well, it's not gone. It's still still working. And it's like, you know, when you're up against um, 
dark magic and things like that. They can get people together, do rituals. They can kill an animal. They can do something where they try to put something on you permanently and, you know, you're trying to get it off and, you know, it's not coming off and you please take this off of me and then you, do you want me to have this uh, thorn in my side, um, you know, that the witches threw on me and, you know, is that your plan to have me just half cripple? And, um, you know, we grapple with that. And, and But, you know, a lot of this stuff comes from people who they don't need to come up and kill you. They just need to throw something on you, you know. Yes. One of those demon spells. And the next thing you know, you've got months of uh, trouble. Yeah, we've all been through that. It, it, it comes. It, it, it just comes and goes, you know. That's, that's part of the battle. It's part of why we're here, you know, to show that these things can be resisted, can be overcome in the power of God. Yes. You know, we are, for lack of a better word, we are each of us living epistles of God written out in our own lives to those that we touch every day, each of us. And it's that important. And so many people don't understand that, you know, but, but that's what we're here for. We're here not just to be a warrior, not just to, to be a prayer warrior and these kind of things, but we're here to demonstrate, to live and to show the faithfulness and the love of God. That's what our purpose is. And that's sometimes a very difficult thing to do. There are some people I have a hard time loving, I can tell you that. But nevertheless, that's what we're here to do. We are a part of God's kingdom, and God's kingdom will never vanish from God's creation. Never. No matter what they do, no matter how many things they throw at us, it will never vanish. God will always have his people as long as there is a creation. Yeah, and... um those things not only end, but but see what happens is, um, you know, you can be attacked and, and, and God gives you a heads up, you're being attacked. And I remember this happened to me in real time and then God took over my behavior. He took over my words. The next thing you know, this this happened in a, in a drum a drum shop. I recalled it, I've told the story before. And, yes, I remember it. And they, they <laughs> I was trying out these electronic drums and they kept looking at me because they remembered me. I was there before. I, what what happened is I was uh, talking about Jesus to one of the employees, and <laughs> that uh, was enough. Yeah, they they, yeah. they saw me the next time, and and they started banging on these drums, so I couldn't hear. And the next time they kept c- coming closer, you know, and banging away, you know, like like don't you get the message? You know what I mean? This is and, and the Lord goes, you know, son, this is a real attack. Okay. So I froze and like fell into him in the spirit. He took over and I started saying to them, "Gosh, you know, those, you know, those drums. These are pretty good. I, I may, but I may want a different side. Do you have those in stock? This and uh, they sound great. And then they're, they're kind of thrown off. They go, well, yeah, maybe we can get it for you. I maybe it's on back order forever. We can't get it. I'm not sure. How much do you? You know, you know they're giving themselves away." And I said, you know, those drums you were banging on there, some of those cymbals, they sound good too. I'd like to maybe think about a hybrid where I have an electronic and a real cymbal. And well, I'll tell you what, you know, I'm going to, you know, uh, see what I can do here. I'll come back and hopefully you guys will be here. Could we, we oh, we'll be here. And then they go, come on back anytime. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, I will. And, and uh, you know, 
uh, speaking different languages there. And then I, you know, went down the stairs and um, out the door, and and I, I'm not sure quite what happened to that place, but uh, it was similar to an incident in a motorcycle shop that was wasn't far from there. That um, and that 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 the same thing happened. Only they tried to get into this ritual. They tried to do, you know. I, I didn't want to go there thinking about it, but uh, uh, I ended up, at one point, I, I, I bought a motorcycle there, and I, you know, I really shouldn't have. I you know, had no experience, and it's a big bike. And then and then uh, I told my friend um, who was teaching me, um, he was an expert, we went out to the, uh, you know, an old abandoned airport and tried to see if I could go straight, you know, on this thing, and I couldn't do anything that day. And then one day, God said, I'm going to teach you how to ride. And he said, jump on the bike. I jumped on the bike, went straight down the hill, threw her on and onto the freeway. I know, it sounds insane. Then off to Victory and then Victory Boulevard, I'm driving down. The guy shows up, my friend, the teacher. And he sees me on the bike riding. He's like completely, he's turned completely pale. (laughs) I I mean, he just, and he said, what the hell are you doing? I said, God's teaching me how to ride. Isn't this cool? And he's like, and he's, he was totally, I mean, he does, you know, that, that was it. He knows God's real. But anyway, what I told him later about the store after they tried to pull that shit in the store, um, and then this had to do with something else with some entertainment thing or something. It's hard to explain, it's hard to remember, but the Lord gave me a word. I said, on such and such a date, the store will be shut down. It will be no more. And then he called and he said, that exact date you gave me it shut down and it's gone (laughs) and then i said well i think that's a message to you you go back and forth you know and you got to stay on god's side you know and you've seen enough you saw one miracle me on the bike and then you saw another one the the prediction about the closing isn't that enough and we'll be i I think it is i hope it is it's nice guy you know and uh, but when they're on the evil side, even a guy like that, who's nice to you and we're friends, he can you know also become your enemy, and then your friend again. Oh yes. You know how oh, he, yes. he can play for the other side, so he doesn't get in trouble, and then he's then you know I say why can't you stop doing the spiritual attack on me? He goes, you know, and he and he you know he's what are you talking about? <laughs> And uh, and then he'd call up later, and he'd be screaming, "I love Jesus! I don't want to go to hell! I want to be with Jesus!" And sorry that he's, you know, you know that these people, these back and forth into the slavery and of doing what he's told and being a team player and searching the world for these, you know, people that wouldn't take the jab. I guess it would be today, right? In modern vernacular, let's get, let's get him. And I'm oh yeah, I'm so tired of this. I'm so tired of this little game, and this you know. And then that became later on. I mean, that developed all the way to the nth degree is gang stalking, mind control, government uh, surveillance, the whole bit. You know, beaming people, poisoning food, blowing stuff up. It's just like the whole world is really stalked in that way, and and, and measured as to how obedient they are with groups of. You know, mercenaries going out looking for those rogue people that just have not a cruel thought in their head, and um, you know, and and doing the bidding of Satan and trying to rid the world of the pure hearts and the 
the people that you know don't don't participate in this and participate in evil because you know what they want to do when they recruit you they just want you to be obedient and to the extent that you can make a move that has hurt somebody uh they'll let, yes. you, they'll let you come i mean take a gun and go kill somebody then uh get away with it and you're going to be king you know <laughs> yeah so and they'll let you live until it's your turn to die oh it'll be your some young and come along boom you know it's like oh you're, now i'm king yeah I don't know. You know, I just, I, I've seen enough. Do you care if you ever see any of this stuff again? No. I don't either. No. No. You know, one of the really good things about getting old, you know, is you quit giving a damn what people think about you or what they think and all of that. You, you, you know, at this point in my life, I'm more concerned with what God is doing, and, and that's where my thought centers. And uh, I just don't care how people react to me. I just I just let it go off of me like water off my windshield. You know, I just don't care. They can say what they want. They can think what they want. I'm going to stand here for God. What are you going to do about it? You know, and that's kind of the attitude I've taken uh, over these last eight to ten years. I suppose listening to you has probably helped some of that, too. And starting my own podcast is also helping to deepen my walk what i found is that when we podcast we're not just speaking to others we're speaking to ourselves as well and 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 that does a great deal of good because it it clarifies issues makes us dig into things maybe more than we would have otherwise because we don't want to have our mouth make us sound like a fool which is easy for a lot of us to do (laughs) including me but uh so it, it it leads to a deeper walk with god and i think when you walk with god one on one you care what God has to say. You care what your father thinks about you and perhaps your brethren as well. But you don't care what the world thinks anymore. You know, they can do what they want. They can say what they want. I know where I am. I know who I am. And, and I know who I have accepted as my living savior and who I worship and, and live with. Uh, what they think, what they do, what all that, it matters much, much less to me. Yeah, I think... Um that's that's true with me too it's uh uh yeah it's it's uh pretty difficult for a person to walk out of that the greatest gift i think that god gave me in terms of being free being you know used by him or being there you know consistently was just the uh, interrupted youth that that made it so that i you know, is really in a sense taken out of the equation and then brought back in again later. And not that that one by any stretch, I mean, I think there was, I barely squeaked through, but I, you know, in terms of not being, uh, not dying. But um, I think that that gave me a little bit of an advantage of being disconnected early, you know what I mean? Just, just forced into disconnection. And not that I was completely connected, but I just, you know, it was over before it started in a sense. And, and I took, now looking back on it, I see that I think God took me for himself, you know, and he doesn't really care how I feel. He just wants me to say what I'm, didn't do what I'm doing. I mean, he cares I feel, but when I feel bad, I seem to say good things. <laughs> and when I feel good, yeah. I don't think I'm that effective. You know? So it's, uh, man, oh man, it is what it is. You know, it, it is, uh, no easy thing, but um, we want to see God prevail because we love people, we love children, we love humanity, we love our friends, 
We do love our yes. family. We just want them to come out of their darkness and out of their duplicity and out of their evil and just uh, you know, be finally free of all that guilt and all that shame and all that uh, avarice and all that hatred and just be able to be. Just That's what I want too, you know? Yes. And um, Yes. I don't think anybody just really wants to keep fighting. And Well, I take it back. I, yes, there are people that I guess they just love. Right? When you watch soap operas, the thing goes on and on and on. They have an yeah. appetite that's insatiable for evil. Yes. And people love it when there's evil characters in those soap operas. They love it. So, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, in a sense, could, could someone be evil like that or be addicted to evil or cheer on the villain like that and be redeemed? Um well, no, I think uh, what happens is they, God takes that off of you. It, it, it becomes irrelevant. It's not relevant. It's not like something you pay attention to. Yes. Well, I, I do think you can remove yourself so far from God that there is no way back. I do believe that's possible. Mm-hmm. Although I don't want to put restrictions on God's ability to, uh, to heal, you know, and to restore people. I mean, I was a pretty bad character myself at one point in my life. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have liked me very much if you had known me 30 years ago or 40 years ago, maybe, uh, or before that. I, I was, uh, I was all of those things, you know, proud, a blasphemer, a boaster, all of those things that, that you see going on now. It wasn't until God took a hold of my life and really began to shut me down and, and, and just take out the things that, that shouldn't be there that uh, I became uh, even close to the man that I am today and someone who could speak with God, speak for God. Uh, but that doesn't happen overnight, you know, Zeph. None of us were saints, you know, in the beginning. Uh, God only deals with broken people. You're broken, I'm broken. You know, all of those that are listening to us here are broken people. That's who God picks because it's God that breaks them down. We would never accept God if the only thing we could ever see or feel in, in, in this entire world was the things of the world. It's because there is a spark of God within each of us that he could awaken us, communicate with us, and rebuild our lives. You know, we are a different breed, I suppose, than some of the other folks on this planet. That seems like a hard thing to say, but I believe it's a true thing to say. Jesus differentiated. You know, he looked at the Pharisees and... You know, his words were not you're kind. All, you're all liars. Yeah, you're the, son, you're the son of your father, the devil, you know, and, and all of that. You know, he, he was very clear yep. when he was speaking to people. That's why he was so popular. Oh, gosh, yeah. That Jesus, you know, that uh, when he would get audience with uh, the Pharisees or with, uh, and he'd say, well, you're not quite 50 years old and, and you know, um, and, and, you know, you say you're more wise than Abraham. And he goes, before Abraham was, I am. And then they just melted That's one down. of my favorite verses. That's one of my favorite parts of the Bible. John 8. Yeah, yes. Yeah. That's just, uh, I read that whenever I need to feel. Uh, they have that series, The Chosen, on TV. They got a good Jesus. And he looks, he's really, looks like he might have been like Jesus. And he says, uh and he, he had a, they had a little trailer. They're doing an episode three or something. I've watched a couple of them. They're pretty good. Um, but there was one that was, uh, what did he say? He said, um, 
Well, that goes against the laws of Moses. He goes, I am the law of Moses. And I, I love that. <laughs> anyway, I don't even know if that's scriptural, but I, it's in the same spirit, you know. Before Yes, I, it is. You know, I am the law of Moses, and I just love the way he delivered it. And they're getting better at that. So, you know, so the churches are saying revival, and you and I are, and others, we're not part of that. Uh, no. We're not, I'm not part, of, I need to explain to his friends, I'm, I'm not part of that revival. Um, I was here in the gap, you know, when we need revival, but now that the revival's going, that's, that's not, that's not my thing. That's people in the church have to straighten that out. We're not, see, you say God made us different. Okay, he made me to do what I do. He made those people in the church to do what they do. And I don't think they'd be praying to God if, and that God wouldn't listen. I think God will deliver them eventually out of the B system. But, you know, it's, they have to have the strength to say no, you know. It's like the jab is kind of a test run. You got It's poison. You want to put it in your, you know, you want Gates to put that uh, 60606, you know, uh, MIT DARPA thing in your, in, under your skin, and, you know, the mark of the beast, which I think it probably is. And, you know, it's, um, you know, you get all these perks if you do it. In Australia, they were, they, that, they were actually saying, if you take this shot, you have a endless, you know, there's millions of places you can go and life gets back to normal. But if you don't, we will arrest you or we will put you in a camp. And that's, how, that's the, the, the way they did it. And it's just so obvious that this is all a, a trial run for the really important thing, which will be, you know, the next crisis and the next um, rolling out that digital ID and all that, that's really going to be the big one. Yes. And like you said, churches will probably give those out with candy, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they will. They will. You'll hear preachers up there telling you, this is not the mark of the beast, you know, and all that. They'll be, they'll be very definitive, and they'll try and explain what yeah. it is in some absurd way. But, uh, yeah, you'll have millions and millions no, I've already heard churches that yeah, will accept yeah. that mark. I heard John uh, MacArthur. He's already he's already gotten that that he's done that speech for for some other thing for the chip for some other chip. But I think I've heard him give that speech. And um, you know, it's um, my message to him is I've got nothing. I really think he's a smart guy, but he is society. You know what I mean? He is he is that. I got a lot of friends who are that too, and I'm not trying to criticize or anything but at some point they're going to want to get out of it you know they got in it because you know they were born in it and their parents were there and grandparents and them and families yes. and it's not their fault no one's saying you know you're bad but do you recognize that you die a spiritual death if you stay there so we're just a messenger that's i think what god put us here you and me and the few others who have survived a lot, a lot of us are not here anymore you know some of us have been have died Yes. You know, there's quite a few yes. I used to watch on YouTube, and I don't see them anymore. Yeah. Well, Mike, Mike Kaiser, you're familiar with him. He yes. passed away a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I didn't agree with everything he said, but no. he was a good resource. When I wanted to research some of the ancient languages, he was a good resource for some of that stuff. Uh, but uh, He was into some kind of weird thing, though, because when, yes. I, when I was on Coast to Coast— he contacted. Uh, he, he was. 
he was talking about me to somebody. I, you know, and it's kind of hard to, you know, remember that far back. It was a long, long time ago. Um, but, um, you know, I, there were, I was getting these emails of, um, there was a guy that had a, a church in Tulsa that would deprogram people. I think that he was trying to get me into a deprogramming uh, program. <laughs> so Mike Heiser did try to deprogram me, and so did um, that other guy that he was friends with, um, uh, you know, the, the guy that does the uh, UFO stuff, um, Lynn Marzulli. Same thing. Oh, um, okay. I don't know much about Lynn well, Marzulli. When I when I, I well, I met him, and I and then he referred me to a guy named Bill Myers. So I don't know if he's with us anymore. Either he's an author um, from Los Angeles who wrote books, you know, Christian books, and they had deals with um, him and Marzulli had a deal with uh, Zondervan. So when I finished Lamb, and I, I don't think I'd quite changed my name yet. I was like in the process of doing, going with a pseudonym that I made it real because God told me to, which was prophetically perfect, you know, you know the old, yeah. the, the new life. Um, then, um, you know, and then I was trying to get, <clears throat> at that point, Marceline to help me with the book, and I'd send him a chapter, and, you know, I was finally, finally referred over to the... Uh, an agency in uh, Colorado Springs that represented Jerry Jenkins, who had written, you know, the Left Behind series. Mm -hmm. And so I was dealing with Jerry Jenkins, trying to get him to read something of my book. I've got this epic book. What do I do with it? <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, there's like this one Christian agency, I think they were called Live or Live or something. And, um, you know, they just, they, they were worse than any Hollywood agent in terms of just get out of here. We don't want to read this. Screw you. You know, I was like, really middle finger and go die, you know? And so I, I kept trying to triangulate through, you know, I said, well, how'd you get your deal at Zondervan, uh, Marzulli? How'd you get that deal? You too, Bill Myers. I said, well, I get, you got to talk to Bill Myers. He'll explain it to you. You know, and then eventually the whole thing went bluey. It turned into a weird thing. I was supposed to meet Marzilli at a, um, a, this bookstore, and we met there, and he was, like, jittery and whistling and all nervous, and, and I was like, what the hell's the matter with you? I mean, and I go, well, I'm just going to have a coffee. I thought we were going to meet for coffee. He goes, oh, I don't want anything. I said, do you want something? I'll get you. No, I don't want anything. And, and I was like, okay, so y y we don't have to have this meeting. You know what I mean? You don't have to be. Are you worried what those people will think back there if you're sitting with me? And am, I some, am I radioactive? Is that what it is? What did I do? They don't write about me in the newspaper, do they? No. <laughs> so that went bluey. And, you know, that's my, I'll, I'll offer no opinion on it. I'm not sure why. But there was an awful lot of gang stalking stuff going on in that bookstore at that time. Like, Guys clearing their throats, almost like they're warning him not to be nice to me or something like that. You know, but that could be paranoia. And uh, I went back to that bookstore again. It was a, a big one in a mall. Members on Topanga Topanga Boulevard, I think. And he lived up Topanga. He lived up there where the UFOs were, sort of a, a, a Decker Canyon, I think. And um, and we met there. And then we, um, I went back there again. And they had, back then they had coffee and books. You know, you could get yourself a, you know, exotic coffee and go look at books. I don't think those places are around much anymore. But 
anyway, I went back in there another time, and the same people that were weird and all that, they were, it was, everything was normal. Nothing was going on in the spirit, let's say. And so I left, and I thought about that for a lot of years. I thought, I must have been mistaken. Maybe, maybe I was acting crazy. Maybe I, I don't know what happened. Then someone asked him about me, you know. said, I never heard of him before, he said. <laughs> and so that was, the, I, I got stories about all these guys. I, I could, you know, I could go on and on, you know, about uh, yes. before they die, you know. And so many people would say, you know, that, thank you for saving me, Lynn Marsley. You know, they would just be giving him accolades and not understanding that, you know, all these guys with these publishing deals and all this stuff were like, you know, and, and, and I mentioned Sean Stone recently, are all part of the system. And yes, whether, all of them. Whether you like it or not. I mean, he told me the Zephyr Report was, you know, it's, it's, it's irrelevant. It's, it's, it's nothing. You know, that hurt my feelings. He said, you got to hook up with one of my writers, you know, with, with like one of these writers that's approved of, and they can write your story. So I'm not trying to sell my story. I was trying to, never mind, you know, forget it. But thanks for kicking me off the air. And I mention it because a lot of people are influenced by, you know, they think, well, there's a guy against the New World Order, and he's, you know, son of this great filmmaker, Oliver Stone. He must be really, you know, tied in. And then I see pictures of him with, uh, you know, these, you know, the conspiracy con and, you know, hanging out with other people that have, you know, done the same thing I've had interaction with. I think God put me with all those people in interactions to teach, to show me what was going on, you know, because I, I, they were all prophetic, that they were all um, real. They were all, uh, you know, as if God was in, taking a look at the network of, you know, the good people versus the bad people and saying, Hey, you guys that think you're all with the good people, I mean, you better think again. Or, you know, walk your own individual walk for discernment. Don't just start blindly trusting people. You know, something like that. And, you know. Yes. Then I remember George Ann Hughes, she's gone. And she was blaming me for, you know, for naming names like I just did. That's evil. I said naming names of people that were that were outed as, um, you just don't name them. Uh, they have these cult following, just don't name them. So then they started labeling me a cult leader, and then you know, Trish, my handler, and all that. They started in like that. And those kind of people, uh, you know, just proving that they're all lurking and spying on everybody, you know what I mean? Anyone that's got something going on, they're going to try to write or oh, yeah. discredit them. And they're all part of, they're all fooling themselves. And, I, you know, when I hear these guys on, you know, I hear these guys, you know, like Alex Jones and stuff or, you know, Joe Rogan and, you know, et cetera. And, and I like all of them. I, you know, there's nothing wrong with Sean Stone, very nice guy. You know, I like them all. I don't dislike anyone. It's just I wish they would, would understand that with me, you can't fool me. You can't, you can't get around me. You can't deal with me. You can't get there. It's going to come to this fight, and then you're going to have to say something nasty, which they all have about me. So, you know, you're going to have to you're going to have to break it. You're going to have to pretend it never happened. It's going to go. It's going to just be bad. You know what I mean? It's not going to be like um, you come in and then you recruit somebody. 
why would you think that? And the answer is... Because that's the way they operate. Well, you know, they didn't get it then. They didn't understand. No, they don't. They don't. You know, Jesus talked about this when he said that people will come before him at that time and they will say, I did this for you. I did that for you. I did all of these things for you. And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. And that's maybe the most tragic portion of the entire word of God. Uh, Because there will be so many of these people that have been caught up in all of this mysticism and magic concerning the uh, new world order and all of this. And they've tried to Christianize this and make it relevant and all this. When you cannot Christianize evil, you can't make it relevant to our experience walking with God. You know, it's anathema to us. It, you know, and we see it for what it is, and we see it right away. Well, you know, the, the, you yeah, know, yeah. The other side is they just come to hurt you. You know, they don't even try to recruit you. But with the Christians, they, you know, beginning with Mike Heiser, and uh, that was my obviously beginning with Marzulli, and then Bill Myers, and then Mike Heiser, and then that guy in Tulsa. I forget that guy. Do you remember that guy, Trish? Do you remember no. Tulsa? He had a deliverance ministry and he said i have all the multiples here zaf and you should be here <laughs> and so there are no multiples in christ don't you get it you know i make all things new yes you you, 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 you who is this guy gosh some of you might remember maybe judy remembers or something and you know, we, we, we had people on that, that had these, uh, that were working for the other side and had multiple, that were programmed to, to do harm. And then they repented like Paul. And then they were, you know, just, just they, never, they never wavered. Sometimes people that have had the most uh, difficult past, you know, the ones that are most consistent, consistently, you know, of, of the spirit. And then realize even when things are bad or when people make things bad for you and then they figure you're going to be in sorrow, you're going to reach out for their help. You know, to be silent, you know, to suffer silently. Yes, they got you. Yes, they hurt. But, but reaching back to them, mistake, and then God, God teaches us about that. I've reached, yes. I've reached back to help to the people that hurt me because I was trained to do that. And um, God had to break me of that. You know, I kept trying to get their approval. And then, you know, they would watch me suffer that they caused. And then finally, they go, oh, okay, I'll, I'll take my foot off his head. Very arrogant. They just feel they have 10 million percent more voltage of power than you do. And so they just feel they can just bully their way around anybody that's not uh, worked their way up the ladder of the B system. And, and um, I can tell you, anyone that's done that, and here it comes, here comes the boom. Anyone who has done that is going to pay for it. Yes. Whether you have now or not, and, you know, and, and, and they have already. It, it, you're not going to get away with it, even if you think it's been a couple of years. Or if you, you know, it, it's coming, and you'll remember. You'll remember what you did. You will be reminded by the Holy Spirit what you did. You'll consider yourself a great Christian. You'll get people to pray for you, but it won't. It, won't, it just won't leave you alone until you finally admit it. You know, you did what you did. It's just like if I murdered somebody. And I go to prison. They put me on death row, let's say. You know, and they're going to kill me. And I meet Jesus there. And I get on fire for Jesus. I'm still going to be executed. 
you know, and, and it, it, when I do evil deeds or I do something wrong, I'm, I'm still, I, I pay for it, you know, and yes. that's everybody. But, but if you do something against God, there's a few people that were here on the earth that were like this precursor of this thing that's going to come. If you do anything to any of them, you're messing with the entire kingdom of God. It's going it, to, it'll just, it'll, I've seen it do it to my own, but I, I had a generational curse, so I'm one of you, you know, that in a way. But they took everybody out. They killed everybody. They're all dead. And deserve That's the only thing the evil ones have. They have death and darkness. That's all they possess. Yeah. Well, that happened. And, you know, I've seen that happen. I'm, I'm scared, you know. I don't, I know I've, geez, I, I just wish I had made certain mistakes, but... You know, you, the one thing you don't want to do is you really don't want to blaspheme God. You, you really want to stay away from that when you're just, even if you're evil. And you, this is a tip here. And the children of God, when the, when the crowd, when the, the gang that you're in wants to go after somebody because they're not in your thing, not connected, they're not, you're not controlling them, they're freewheeling, whatever it is, and you feel they owe or something like that, you're going to get your head handed to you. I just say it one more time after watching all the a whole hill's worth of skulls go up almost to the moon. Say it one more time. You're going to get your head handed to you. Yes. You're not going to mess with, because there's very few real children of God, you know, that are very few connected. If God didn't protect his own, there wouldn't be any. It'd be easy to, it'd be a simple thing. And so protection means also deterrence. Deterrence means retribution. Psalm 91 says, look up and see the recompense of the wicked. Revelation 18 says, separate yourselves from, you know, I guess that's more for the churches, but so you won't be, take part in their plagues and also rejoice for the God that, you know, God is avenging all the, you know, all the prophets and all the saints and God is now avenging you. He is the God of vengeance, and we not. But he, the vengeance is only there to balance the scales, right? Which is good, right? Fair. So, how do we get talking about this? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's did, a conversation among friends, Zeph. How did this get to this point? <laughs> Gosh. I, I, you know, crazy. I thought I'd get you on. I wouldn't, you know, I don't know what, well, why I have to say things that, are hap- that happened before that were... I guess to set the record straight, I don't know, to, to, to warn people that, um, you know, I, I mean, I, there's a lot of lambs out there that don't even know who they are, and they're getting hurt and picked on, and they feel bad about themselves. Oh, yes. Yeah, more, more than, than we possibly know uh, are in that situation. I believe that. That's why, like I said, I'm, I'm so eager for this reawakening. You know, I, I don't like the... Uh, the term revival, uh, you know, that's, that's a churchian term. That's, that's mm-hmm. something they use to get you more under their control. Uh, an awakening is something that frees you from their control. And that's what I'm looking for from God these days. Not a revival under their control. Yeah. Well, revival is, you know, means under their control. I guess you would call it um, the awakening is good. That's a, that's a good, I think that's a good term for it. This, because we see them awakening, and then they're afraid because, you know, they're afraid to go up against their... That's truly going against your parents. That's truly going against your, 
your social group. And um, mm-hmm. my advice to some people is, well, you might have to leave your job or move. It just depends how deep in it you are. I mean, you know, if you're really deep in it, you know, you know, it's a criminal organization, right? So, you know, it happens. What you got to do is, uh, but Jesus will protect you. If he wants you, he'll protect you. He'll walk you out of there. I don't have to, t- I can't tell you. You know, he will lead you whether you've got to leave. So I had to leave. I had to, I had to you know, I had to accept the fact that I couldn't um, do things I wanted to do. Um, you know, that uh, it was very hard for me to accept the way the world, how, how you know, how, uh, cruel and implacable that, you know, a lot of people think, well, if I work harder, if I work stronger, if I work better, if I give it more, I'll, I'll be more successful. And, and then sometimes that doesn't work. It's because, you know, and then the other guy that's not doing much work at all here, he, he gets everything. And, and that's, God's just using all that to break us, you know, to, and also to awaken us, to make us say, okay, we weren't born into an equal world, you know, of half God, you know, half good, half bad, whatever. Good things happen, but basically the system is what the system is. It's not God's allowed Satan to have his system. And, you know, and the people that join it go, gee, I don't know. Suddenly everything turned around. Isn't it great? And it's, you know, my troubles, it's sort of like when you get a drug prescribed by your doctor and you go, boy, that took care of my stomach problem. You know, I really don't have any problem anymore. And all of a sudden diagnosed with cancer as a side effect. You know, it's, it's, uh, man cannot, man cannot, um, rule himself. Man. No, can, neither can he cure himself. That's right. And once we accept that, then you go, well, where do I go for remedy? And there's only one place. And I say, well, I don't need Jesus. And they'll say, yes, you do. Who would they jump on you for? Jesus. If you said God this and God that, you think they'd jump? They might not jump on you. But if you said Jesus and you were just uh, being led by the Holy Spirit and, and, and baptized in the Spirit and it really happened and you really have that relationship, uh, they're going to, you know, then persecution would, would come. You know, it, well, anyway, any final words for our wonderful listeners who have put up with so much on this earth? Well, you know, I I think Jeff Zeph that our our walk here has to be characterized by life lived in the spirit of God. We must be for lack of a better terminology within the flow of the spirit and and that means complete absorption. It it means a oneness with God and with life and, and a place where we're entirely absorbed in in all God has called us to do in the life he has given us and uh as we become more intimate with him, we become life. We become God in essence to those people around us. And everything else just kind of melts away. You know, I see what the evil people are doing. I see that all the time. But you know what? I don't care. Let them do it. You know, they're going to do what they're going to do. They're God has it. a plan. Yeah. And I'm going to live with God. You know, Amen. he's my protection. Every day out on the road, I, I, I breathe Psalm 91 mm. because there are threats to me out there every day. Uh, and it can be in as, as innocuous as the weather. A couple of weeks ago, I looked in my rearview mirror on a day we were having storms and there was people off the road everywhere. And I saw a tornado <laughs> in my rearview oh, no. mirror. And 
Yeah, and, and I just relaxed into God, and he said, it will not come near you. And it didn't. It was behind me about five miles, and then I turned off, and I could see it out my side window. And, and you know, these things, they throw at you uh, over and over and over again. And it's something we must learn that our life is in our Father. Our life is in Christ in the blood that he spilled for us. And as long as our life is there, all these other things are simply mirages. There's something that, that they throw at you to try and engender fear and separate with you with, from God. But after a certain point, you know, you become inseparable from your God. When you are one with him, you can't walk away anymore. You know, you're, Amen. you're there. Amen. And that's your life. And that's the thing I try and teach people, that if you get to that point in your life, then all of these things that they're doing won't bother you, won't, won't throw you into a tizzy, won't put you in fear, because a person that's terrified is a person that's easily controlled, and people forget that. Well put. I mean, yeah, well, that's, I think it's been, you know, laid out, um, you know, pretty well. Um, you know, it's, it's a nasty game here. And, and uh, but Jesus said that we would have um, false witness. Yes. Uh, we would have, um, you know, when those things happen to rejoice because they happen to all the prophets and the saints of old. And just like now, and, and if the, it proves, you know, you're over the target. And so and Peter says, uh, you know, don't marvel at this Stop. stuff. Oh, wow. what, what's, going <laughs> what's going on here? We're being uh, attacked by Benson. Okay, well, yeah. Don't marvel as if, as if this was a strange thing, he says, a strange thing. You know, and, um, and, and because we do, we, we tend to fall. I mean, I do. I tend to fall into that. And then I get, then I get my head straight. It takes me a. You know, it's like, okay, I'll get back up off the mat. I'm not done with this fight. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm taking it to the Lord now. Yeah. But it, yeah, we all do that. We all do that. At first, I, I, you know, it, you, you, yeah, you, you take it personally, but then finally, you, 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 it, in a little bit of time, I mean, in the past, I used to really take it personally, <laughs> not as much anymore. And then, then you see the bigger picture. Oh, so this happened uh, so that I could do good. So I could do good for these people. So as I've warned them, I said, you know, watch out. If you do things bad to God people, then it could be bad to you. But at the same time, I say, if they do bad to me, though, I'm going to try to, you know, bless them with the idea that, that maybe they would beat the Lord someday or something would happen or that would change their mind. Or, you know what I mean? And, and, yes. and not return evil for evil. I've, I've taken that to heart lately. And... uh I've seen people when you do something good for them after they're clearly doing stuff, but you look the other way, you act like you didn't see that. You do something good for them, and uh, it changes everything. It changes them. It it, it does. It, it gives them a chance. And uh, probably the people I mentioned here today, I should I should say that uh, you know if I could think of something good to do to e e any of you if you're still alive, um, I'll do it. I have no malice. I'm just trying to tell people what's going on, <laughs> you know, and I wouldn't say it if it, if it, uh, probably if God's people, some of God's people can be in jeopardy by, you know, false, you know, people or false teachers, whatever. And, and, um, 
you know, the Lord wants, uh, he wants that really clever dialectic game Satan plays and that sort of impersonation game and false teachers and false this, false that, you know, mimicking this, mimicking that. He wants that exposed. He wants people to understand that. It's very hard to understand, though, Charles. It is because the deception is so complete and so pervasive that uh, people almost have to withdraw from the reality we see around us to understand God and what he's doing in the world. Uh, you, you can't be a participant of the world and really truly understand what's going on. Uh, you have to back away. You have to become separate, come out from among them, as, mm-hmm. as Christ said, uh, in order to begin to realize what's really going on. You know, uh, this is not a new thing, but it is something that, that, that has to be done. Well, there have been people throughout time, I and mean, some of the great writers, they're always, you know, in isolation, writing their great, you know, Dostoevsky or you know, yet, uh, you know, Solzhenitsyn, you know, and now um, others. Then you have, you know, artists that are connected to everything, like Stephen King, you know, and he's, and I'm not saying he isn't good, I'm just saying that the, the people dealing with, um, you know, isolation and their thoughts and not connected so much are going to produce the deeper works, probably. Yes, and, I think so. And things that will lead to, to truth. Anything that leads to truth to me is good. E- even if it does, they don't have to be like me for me to appreciate, you know, uh, what they've done and what they've done. And, you know, people that have a tendency toward truth are good people. I happen to think that they will all meet the Lord at some point, even on their deathbed. I happen to all think that's where that leads. Right? I mean, you know, you have a conscience. You're seeking truth. You're not rejecting the Lord. You just aren't, you know, maybe you aren't there. Yeah. But I think people get a chance even in their dying to meet the Lord, I'm pretty sure. I'm not positive. I think so. I'm not positive. <laughs> I, I think so. I, I think that that a lot of people are going to come to the realization soon because I believe that a lot of these people in the churches are going to be what's known as the tribulation saints. Yeah. And it's not going to be until that time that they're going to actually have their eyes opened. And then they will be living sacrifices, mm-hmm. something they have not been their entire life. And uh, mm-hmm. I think this is perhaps the penance that they will pay. But that's not, I mean, okay, the if it's the guillotine, that really doesn't hurt that much. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it may not be the guillotine. You know, there are a lot of similarities to the United States and to Rome. And that's yeah. not an accident. These people tried to make us into a new Roman Republic, but the Roman Republic was only there until the Roman Empire took over. Yeah, right. And I think you see the same transition beginning to happen today within our country. And I think we're going that's that's going okay. to be the basis and the grounding for the Antichrist when he comes. Say, so, okay, okay. A gladiators, Christians to the lions. Yes, uh, you could see that. Uh, the, the, the lion's den, Daniel in the lion's den. Um, you know, you know uh, Christians burned as, as fuel for lamp, lamp post delight. Um, you know, that level, you think? I, I, do think you, I do think it's going to get close to that level. It will not start out that level, you know. It will start out where they will persecute, much as the Nazis did people that others don't like until you get to the point where like Bonhoeffer said that by the time everybody got around to protesting, there was nobody left to protest. Right, right, right. right. And then that famous song, you know, when they came for me and there was no one to speak up for me. 
That's right. And, and, and that's what's, that's what's happening right now mm-hmm. as we speak. I can see it's clear as day, but most people can't. They just dismiss it when I say something to them about it. And, of course, if I begin talking to them about the real truth and all that, well, then they just kind of – I see their eyes kind of blur over, you know, and they just, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. And, and they just walk away pretty quick. Uh, people don't want to hear the truth these days. Mm-hmm. Only God's people want to hear the truth because they're invested in the truth. The rest of these what do you are think, invested in lie. What do you think Klaus Schwab is? Just as as you know, try to talk about him like as a, you know your thoughts as you know as Klaus Schwab, the human being. Some things he said. My, my, what what is he? My exactly? gut reaction is that he is no longer human. My gut reaction is that he is a hybrid of some kind, maybe even a complete clone. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of these people are. Uh, I think that's how they got their power and it's how they sustain their power is through the evil that they do and the evil that they preach. And uh, that's their sustenance for life. And uh, they're never going to change. They're never going to uh, come to the knowledge of God that we have. They are reprobate and they were probably born reprobate. You know, Jesus talks about that. You know, Judas was born reprobate uh, and, and he's not the only one. Uh, you go back into the Old Testament, you know, when they tried to stand up to Moses, when they tried to uh, and did kill most of the prophets and, and, and the judges, it was because they were born reprobate. They have no connection with God other than their mouth and the words that they say. And that's, that's a very tenuous connection. It's, it's like the theologian who's, who knows all about God but who has never met him. Uh, that man can do a great deal of evil while he thinks he's doing good. And you see this everywhere. You know, they're going to kill us Seth, if they can. They're going to kill us and they're going to rejoice over the good that they have done in yeah. killing us. I remember when they killed that That's one. That's how far gone it is. They killed that one prayer warrior guy, that, that prayer leader in uh, uh, Seattle, I think. And then uh, the guy, you know, it said, and then they go, hey, we're just taking out the garbage. We've, we're cleaning the place up. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then I think Trump was still president at that time, and he sent out the marshals to to basically execute him. He didn't need, this time. He went for bro. You know what I mean? He actually did the kind of thing that uh, people warned about. That that uh, instead of arresting the guy, they went to gun him down. They did. They just they went in the street and the guy tried to hide. Guy tried to give up, and they gunned him down. Yeah, yeah. So and you will see that. I think we will. I had a vision once many, many years ago. I think I spoke to you about it many years ago where I saw corpses all in the streets. I saw buildings yeah. and stuff burning and all of this. And, and, and I believe that's about what's going to come. Uh, if you look at the big cities, and that's part of the reason that God led me out of the big city, uh, they're going to go up in, in, in a major conflagration. If anything ever happens to to stop the food supply or any of any of the other things we rely on. If the electricity goes out, you'll see the whole, you know, within 48 hours, uh, all, all, all parts of our civilization will simply eat itself. And that's, that's what Satan does. That's the darkness. You know, you eat yourself, you eat the living. That's what it's all about. That's your sustenance for life. They don't have a concept of God as the main power, focus, and source of our life no, and no. of our our living. That's a completely foreign concept to them. There's no words we can use to make them understand. It's only the power of the Spirit. 
that but, can make them understand. But, but and that with, simply terrifies them and makes them angry. Without that knowledge, discernment, and wisdom, though, they, they, they write these pedantic books like Harari. Yeah, uh-huh. I would dare anyone to go read Sapien. You can get it for free it's, you know, somewhere online. But it is just, you know, it's amazing how, you know, without that dimension of thought, of that dimension of, uh, you know, being with that sort of power mad, kind of like he's like a, a immature boy. You know, that's how it's written, like an immature boy that's, you know, just on a power trip, you know, and it's, um, you know, doing pseudoscience, and, and they don't have any of the science worked out. Of, of If they did, they wouldn't even be bothering with anything. They'd be gone if they could be. They're here. <laughs> and uh, unless... They're here. They're going to get it as soon as they do away with us. Then they're going to get their little gift. That could be. Oh yeah, without us, there's no purpose for them to be here, or anywhere really. If you think about God being, you know, the creator, and that uh, things that you know don't serve Him or have no purpose, uh, they would be gone. They wouldn't be there. But anyway, that. But when you read them, and you read uh, like Klaus Schwab, the Great Reset, it, you know, you. you it is just appealing to the to the very base of I don't even know how, how one would you know do anything but you know sort of laugh at some of this stuff. It's like the, and this the sad guru guy. You know, it's, it's it's a lot of what he says is laughable. It's like I do laugh at some of them. I mean, you know, it's like it's like um, you know. Be in, don't be worried about anything. Be in bliss like I am. Bliss all day long. I'm in bliss because I practice yoga. Be like me and you can be in bliss too. You know, it's like on that level. And it's, uh, I, I, it's not worth my, 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 my commentary, you know, because it's, it's not fair. They, they're, they're miss, it's like they're missing an entire, um, not dimension, but an entire, universe full of of information and processing and thinking so they're unable to really you know the philosophers we had even if they weren't you know they weren't um let's say they weren't god believing or whatever that they were profound because they had all that knowledge and um then they rejected it let's say they're grappling with it but but uh usually you know, if a person just writes like you can become a lion and a half man and half lion, hey, what do you think of that? Wouldn't that be cool? You become a half lion, half man, and you know, and he's kind of going on like that in this book, you know, while diminishing humans as you know hackable animals, and there's no free will, and Jesus is a myth, and there's no such thing as God. So, you know, we're the gods and we're the rulers. It's 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 a teenager. It's a teenager, isn't it? They have no wisdoms, none whatsoever. And then they, they say, we are the rulers of the earth. You know, like Schwab came out one day and said, we are the rulers of the earth, you must obey us. And we've been telling people about this. We've been warning people about this. And we watch them fall in line. And it's just, it's, it's, it's hard to believe. Maybe what God is doing is like, you know, if you don't make it, you don't make the cut, you don't make the cut. And they're going to be gone. Yeah, you, it, it, if, you know, it's almost like if you don't pass the intelligence test, if, if, if people that are, you know, you know semi-educated and, and thoughtful about things, you know, you know, you know, normal people are laughing at you or laughing at your logic or illogic or your, your lack of um, 
you know, shall we say, you know, some kind of communication ability or ability to put thoughts together, then, then, um, why would you follow them? Because the people don't have the ability to put their own thoughts together. You know, people are searching for something and, you know, they'll fall for anything, I guess, I guess is what I'm looking to say. But, uh, Let's see here. Let me get back to. Uh... Oh, there we go. Yeah, we have a culture today that's starved for any kind of deep experience of the soul. And and because of that, there's a vacuum in the lives of so many. And that's where these people swoop in, you see, to fill that vacuum, to give some kind of meaning, even if it's a perverted, dark meaning in the lives of people and that's the attraction and people are in droves falling in line behind all of this because they think it's the only way to have a, a future in this world and they realize and they don't realize that our future is not in this world we are not beings of this world as much as we are beings of the spirit and if people don't understand that there's almost no way to talk to them when I first read the Gospel of John, I could not understand how he could write that, or how any human could. Yeah, John is the most beautiful book ever written, I think. I just couldn't understand it. How could... Maybe because I, being a writer, I could appreciate other writers, and I've been a reader, too. And um, I just couldn't understand how he could put those words together like that. Just, oh, he couldn't have if he wasn't in the spirit. He, he could never have done that. And had I just been a, a person not in the spirit, I wouldn't have understood that I didn't understand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I wouldn't have understood that I was, I was, uh, I was, you know, flummoxed by it. I was floored by it. I had to read it again. What do you mean? And the word of God, and the word, and everything that was created came through the word. And, yes. uh, you know, uh, all that in the, the first few verses is mind-blowing. And then in comes John the Baptist talking about Jesus leading to the baptism of Jesus and how he would trans... I, I just, you know, it's a, he established all of reality. Then, then he goes on in chapter 15 through 17 and, and on and everything else. You know, chapter 8, of course, you know, you have liars, and, you know, before Abraham was, I am, and then... Uh, 15, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the vine, you know, the vine story is really great. And then 17 is even more profound because it kind of gives yes. the, the whole end point, what the whole point was of it. And then you, you can't find a pastor to talk about this stuff. They, they yeah. just won't. Yeah. And, you know, uh, that, if, if you're in the spirit, there is no more profound book than John. Uh, you know, he, that's what he does. He describes the spiritual relationships the other Gospels talk about what happened. John delves into the Spirit and, and gives us a truth that we'll find nowhere else. You know, I'm wondering about this verse. What do you think of, of, of the honor thy father and mother? If your father and mother have forsaken you, do you know what I mean? Uh, are you, you know, I think a lot of us kept going, kept trying to please our mothers and fathers, even though they're they were doing evil to us, you know what I mean? And then eventually there had to become a acknowledgement that they were evil and that they, you know, they really don't, you know, there's, you, you have to survive. 
But doesn't the Lord say that, you know, honor thy father and mother. Um, if your father and mother forsake you, I will never forsake you. Yes. Yes. You know, I, I think that's, that's something that, that is profound within us, that we are to honor those around us, those we love, those who, you know, who raised us, nurtured us, however it worked. And, and, and I don't see any sin in that, any problem with that. I honor my father today, you know, when I, when I see him. Uh, but yet I understand my father doesn't see the world as I see it. My father doesn't know God as I know God. Uh, and I have to be careful when I, when I go into that, that my respect for him doesn't become a worship of him. Yeah, and that, that's yeah. a danger line. Yeah. I, I had written the eulogy for my father and his funeral, and, and I completely honored him amongst his friends. In other words, I knew all the friends. You know, I knew them, them they, everyone that was going to attend that funeral. And I just only wrote about the, the good things that they would, you know, the things that they remember and the nicknames and the things they called them. And, you know, the, the, uh, the fact is, you know, he was really known to be, you know, pretty much debauched gambler and all that, but he was kind of famous for it. So I, I put it in really good context, you know, and it made them cry. Oh, they cried and they laughed. And uh, so I, I could say, you know, I have honored my father and my mother the same thing. Um, uh, I, it, it, I did not attend her funeral because of, um, uh, you know, it has to do it just some very heavy things that happened that, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's sort of like a um, very dangerous situation. But I had arranged it. I had had the people there. I had everything, you know, to go, made sure she was honored and, um, she had put a, you know, been put in a, a crypt with my father, and had uh, someone there playing the harp, you know, in the friends' round. But I, I couldn't, you know, in good conscience attend because of the murder attempts. And I just, I just, um, you know, I just wonder how far that goes. You know, you know, if there's deceit and murder attempts, I, and I know that wasn't. There are different personalities there, but I just, you know, and some of these people that participated in evil, they would all be there. So I wrote the eulogy. Yes. So I wrote a eulogy for her. Put her picture there, and um, and so that was my way of honoring. I just yes. f- felt if I went there, I would be condoning, you know, the 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 the, 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 hor- the horrors. So I, I so I didn't. At the same time, I I I arranged it all. I guess I'm okay then. Yes. Well, you know, we honor them the best we can because we always we always understand that they were not perfect people and some of them were far less than perfect. But still, the, the God tells us to honor those, you know, around us, those are part of our family and so we do so because we're honoring God when we honor them. Right. Right. I think I think that's the main thing. Yeah, I think I think, you know, I was you know, taken advantage of by my naivete where I just didn't ever want to, I didn't, you know, what made me such a target was I just didn't want to believe that a parent would murder, yeah. a, murder their own child. I, just, I didn't want to believe sure. it. I didn't want to put my mind around it. I tried to blame it on, you know, one of the nurses or the maid or this or that, or but it was her. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, uh, 
you know, I've, uh, the Lord, you know, took me and made me write that book, Lamb, and then, you know, gave me Zephy Daniel, and, you know, for the, re- for the reason for that name. And, uh, and then I was, you know, off and away from Los Angeles and out of that mess. And the next thing you know, my daughter comes to visit with my ex-wife. Of course, there's another failure, but that was another handler. And find out they're conspiring with my, you know, then still alive mother to have me thrown in an institution right, right in the beginning of the Zeph report. Yes. And they, they, that's why they visited. And I remember you talking about those things. Uh, I, I, well, I've just lately accepted it. I, I wouldn't even accept it until, you know, Trish reminded me. And I, and I think Trish's presence there stopped it from happening. Well, you grew up in a in a very unique situation, Zeph, compared, especially compared to me, because God had pulled you out and chosen you to be a prophet of these times, and you were raised in a power family, a family that that is used to dealing with power and money, and and all of this, and so you were allowed to see the in, interior workings of all of this, yeah. so that when He brought you out, you would be His witness to what's really going on in the world. That's it. You know, that's there's no other explanation. There is no other explanation. That's my job, really, in a way. And but I also yeah. I also write, and I you know. I, you know, um, I have uh, a bunch of writings that are going to come out, you know, eventually. I mean, may, maybe not while I'm alive, maybe later than that. But, um, you know, they will be from a unique perspective. Uh, and then some won't, because I did learn how to uh, tell a story, you know, a story just to entertain people, not to delve into this just insane stuff. But, uh yes. But I think now, I think I have accepted, you know, that, that uh, now that, that the, the world has been shown, the evil that's there right in your face, right on television, it, um, it just seems that it, now I can kind of, okay, yeah, yeah, the whole thing was like that. It was all like, there was never any, who knows how we all got here, you know, but, uh, but yes, uh, that's the way it is. Yes, I... I Completely don't expect uh, Disneyland anytime soon. Okay, uh, what, yeah. even Disneyland back then, you know, it was weird. The, the whole, you know, the whole, you know, pedophile networks were raging back. You know, it was, it was just like normal. You know what I mean? And uh, uh, God, I almost feel like you know, if I didn't have the Lord right there, I probably wouldn't be able to. Um, my carnal mind cannot really wrap around how evil evil is, but my spiritual being can handle it. Yes. And it's, it's, yes, that, that's the way it is with all of us, F. That, you know, we, we understand in the spirit. Uh, and that's why we have to live in the spirit, because it's the only way we can fight this evil, uh, is if we're in the spirit. Uh, you know, we can't do it on our own, you know. I'm 73 years old. I might be able to give a good account of myself for the first 10 or 15 seconds, but after that, I'm pretty much gone. So, you know, I don't fight in the flesh. Uh, I fight in the spirit. In the spirit, I have the power of God and all the resources of heaven within me and behind me. And that is a whole different matter than trying to put my dukes up. You know, I used to be a guy that loved to get it on, man. You want to get a fight? That's you know, why, <laughs> why wait? Let's do it now, you know. Yeah, scrapper. And, uh, 
Yeah, but that that guy is gone. I bet she got a fast, you know, uh, fast right hook. Well, whatever I had, I I, I had it good enough anyway. I'm still around. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I was that kind. You know, I was the kind of guy, Zeph, like that uh, if you had grown up into the image of what your parents wanted you to be, you would have found a guy like me very useful. I'll put it that way. Ah, yes, the idea of the enemies out there and. And uh, recruiting uh, Kanita, you know, there's, uh, yeah, no, we, we don't need to talk about that any further. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and God just completely, he just completely tore. It was, it was the most painful 15 years of my life. <laughs> you know what? After he did that and he rebuilt me, my life has never been the same again. These past 30 years have been the best part of my life, even as I'm getting to be an old man and I sit there and I enjoy the, the love and the life that is around me. I watch it in my family. You know, I'm, I'm on my fourth generation now. I've, I've been a part of 19 babies, that, awesome. you know, six of my own, 10 grandchildren, now three great grandchildren. Wow. And, and the miracle of watching these little ones grow up and, 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 the, and become the, adults and you can see the flowering of the personality and all that it just makes me have a love of life and that's because of the god that lives within me it's not because i was a particularly good parent i wasn't but god is a good parent god is the parent of all of us yes. and if once we once we meld into him once we become one with him our life is never going to be the same again it's you know we're on that roller coaster and we might as well strap in and buckle up for the ride because the ride is coming, you know, and, and that's what life is for us. Once we get in the spirit, it's never the same again. It's always an adventure and you have to have a personality. I suppose in God where you're, you look forward to the adventure. You say, okay, bring it on. I'm here. Hallelujah. And just let it go because that's how God works in us is when we just let it go and let him live. I've seen, I, uh, you know, I was watching when, well, we ran into a couple, that's the last thing I wanted to say about this, but we ran into a couple of demonic people that seemed to come out of nowhere. We were sitting out in, uh, in a little restaurant at the Burbank Airport at the uh, Marriott. There's like this outside kind of bar food area thing. It's real busy, you know, and there were these two guys at the bar kind of, and they were listening, and they looked like they looked like feds, to be honest, you know. And they were, and um, they said something stupid. One came over and said, uh, "You know, how much does it cost to do a you know a minute of film?" And I didn't even want to answer because I'm like, "Well, you know, does that depend on what you're filming?" You know, I mean, wouldn't he be able to figure that out? You know, is that, is that a trick question? And then he said something else. He said. And Trish was sitting right next to me, and then there was a couple other people. And and then he said over to Trish, you know, you better be careful. You know, the walls have ears. And then yes. she just exploded. I recognize this as the spirit, you know. And, 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 you know, she just blurted out, fuck you, you know. You know, and, and the guy just fled. And then he disappeared like he was never there. Then there was another guy. He did, too. He disappeared. And... We could we we thought did they just walk into the ether? We we, 
you know, and we had witnesses there that say they, they didn't go anywhere. They just disappeared. I didn't talk about that because it's too weird. I mean, no one really believe it. Maybe they just, you know, I'll give it better for the doubt. Maybe they just slipped away and we didn't see it. But anyway, regardless, they just seemed like from another dimension and they, uh, Trish exploded spontaneously. Yes. You know, it was like, it was it's a spirit dinner. It was a, just a, saying the only words that guy could really understand. And, um, and, and to watch him just cower like that, you know, and it was like he, he knew he was up against something formidable, you know, he wouldn't come over and ask such a stupid question like, how much does it cost to do an hour of film? She just told him, if you got to worry about it, you ain't got enough money. Well, no, I mean, he's, I mean it was, he, he was trying to say that I, I could overhear your conversation, that you're filmmakers over there, you know, because we had a director there, and, we, you know, that's, that's, I guess that was, he thought that would get him into the conversation. But then he went and said something like, you better be careful, because see, the walls have ears. Yes. That was a threat. Yes, it was. And Trish, that, that, that Trish exploded. And they even, try to instill the fear, and that's how they do it. Well, anyway, whatever she just spontaneously did what she did, and it was very, you know, powerful, and it was like, uh, it was just classic. And then, and then they disappeared. You know, two of two very healthy looking, athletic looking, short hair, shorts, golf shirt, you know, Izod shirt. You know, yeah, nice. Walk. I can see Trish going off on him. <laughs> I no, can no, see I, that. Everyone's afraid of Trish. I mean, she's yeah, like, I can see that. She's like exec producer of our, you know, stuff, and I just sick her on the guy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and, and you know, nobody wants to mess with her. You yeah, know? I and, understand that. And but she was so spontaneous and so fearless. I was so uh, amazed with her at this particular point. I'd never seen that kind of thing before quite like that and uh you know it's very impressive i'll just put it that way (laughs) there is a righteous anger that can explode in us from time to time it's happened with me i'm sure it's happened with you so you know and that's kind of what that is you know uh the spirit of god within us will allow us to take a lot of things but at some point we stand up Mm -hmm. and when we stand up those people here you know well, we, uh, we already knew, that, Hutton, yeah. you know, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Well, when the spirit of God yeah. begins to speak through you, people pay attention. They, well, they can't help it. But after that, um, you know, and during that time, we got clobbered in spiritual warfare. I mean, we got really clobbered. I mean, with serious, yeah. like near death stuff and bad things and just a bunch of things in a row, which after they, there's so many in a row, you go, oh, is this? I guess it is. <laughs> and um yeah. It's 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 over now. It took took a while, you know, it took some time to to I'm not even quite sure where it was coming, you know, it was it was that, it was a few th- places. But it was because we were trying to go out there and and do some business, to take care of some filming and stuff and and what what we were up to. And I guess we had, you know, alerted. I guess that was some warning and then of course, you know, it was uh backed up on whether they were beaming us or stopping things or starting. Who knows what it was exactly. I mean, I have my thoughts about it, you know, and as usual, you can never prove exactly. All you can get is probably I'm pretty accurate in where it was coming from, but I 
can't prove it. I'm not going to say any, you know, anything about anyone unless it's really obvious, you know. And um, but I understand what was what was happening there because it, it was revolving around a, a documentary it was shooting about me that was giving testimony about, um, you know, how I came to write the screenplay society and um, what happened leading up to that. Uh, and and so, you know what I mean. That's what that subject matter, I think, is what triggered it. Yes. Well, you know, your position, Zeph, the fact that you understand their secrets and you know what they're doing and what they're trying to do, and they can't really throw anything upon you that you haven't seen, that terrifies them. They understand the spirit that you operate in. They understand your calling. And they also understand there's nothing they can do to stop it. And, and like I said, that terrifies them. And so they'll throw all these little monkey wrenches into your life to try and get you off focus, off kilter, or even uh, surrounded by fear and all this. And that's what they try and do. That's their method of control. Because outside of those things, they can do nothing. Yeah, they go after also your friends or people you're working with. Sure. Or other people, your family members, you know, other People that are maybe, maybe not as uh, adept at, at, at understanding this kind of stuff, but still, whatever they threw took its sweet time in being worked out. But guess what? The Lord is victorious, and it has been worked out. And I don't Amen. know. I don't know what that means for the other side, but I know that when the other side fails, usually there's a punishment. But I'm, I'm not. Yes. I'm not gonna. I don't care. I'm not, I, I, if the Lord wants to show me something fine, otherwise I'm gone. I'm. Just happy to be out of that uh, bear trap. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm happy to just That's be- why most of us have live solitary lives, you know, compared to uh, the normal society around us. Because we can't really be a part of any of that, you know, because we're not a part of it. It'll never, it'll never be, a, you know, in our basic being like, like God is, like our Father, you know. And, and I can say God to people and like you said, they'll react and I can get a conversation. But as soon as I say my father, boy, that, that, that's like throwing a wet blanket right there over everything because they don't want to go there. They don't want to go to this personal relationship because they know that they cannot do anything against that. They have no power over a personal relationship with God, with the living God. And, and because they, he is the they're afraid of their friends and family and social network, too. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So they, you know, they, they don't want to be a social pariah. So they just keep going along, but they know they're missing something you know, drastic. Yes. And it's until they get the courage. I get the, I guess what happens is when you get, you know, sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired of being, maybe by then you just go, you know what? This is not really working. Lord, <laughs> Lord, please help me. Lord, yes. I can't do it alone. I can't do anything without you, Lord. So yes. I've come to the point where being a social pariah is actually joy to my heart. You, you, Cause you're <laughs> you a hero. Well, now you're a hero because you're not only a survivor, you're a senior citizen and yeah. you've, been, you've been working a job and you've been doing a, you know, a, 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 a great work there. And, uh, who knows how many Amen. people you brought to Christ. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's incalculable. It was so many of them listening to the podcast and they hear what you do and they see that, Hey, I'm doing something similar too. I could be like that. I could see that. I can, you know, you've touched a lot of people with it. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people would like to be, um, in unentangled from certain relationships and sexual bondage and, 
you know, lots yes. of things, all the, all the things, desires, drugs, this, that, the other thing, uh, the, the, um, uh, lust for money or the uh, envy of, of money. Uh, all those things hold us back too. If you're in a church and you envy everybody else in the church or, or, or even worse, uh, seniors, sure. uh, you, you know, envying young people, which, at, or right. That can happen. You know, and yes, you see these guys, oh, yeah. they go out and they, they get their hair dyed and they get their, you know, facelifts <laughs> and they, you know, they dump the old wife and they get the, the blonde and they buy a Ferrari or they get a boat or they do something to, you know, yeah. I haven't lost it. You know, I mean, you young, you know, right, to kind of hang with the young guys. But then the minute uh, the young guys want to go off and party and they want to go do something, they leave this guy out. And he go, well, wait a second, I got my hair done, I got my Ferrari, I got my boat, I got the blonde, and and I'm still being rejected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's almost comical, you know, when you look at it. But uh, it's sad because yeah. it's so very true. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the way our society is. Uh, and you have to come out of it. You have to get to where you just don't care what they think anymore. Mm-hmm. And and that's the place you have to go. Well, it's an interesting ride, but... Uh, oh, it has been that. It it has been an adventure. You know, my life has been an adventure. I'll say that. There's yeah. been... Yeah. Things that have gone on that most people couldn't even imagine. Uh, things I've done that would probably curl your socks if I were to take the time to talk yeah. about them. Well, write about them. You know, write write your memoirs. Yeah. I'd love to see that. I'm I'm not really. You know, I'm pretty good at writing a couple paragraphs or maybe even a message and all that. But mm-hmm. when it gets to something longer, I just don't have the skill level mm-hmm. to do that kind of stuff. Well, I've I guess. got a, maybe a, I don't have the time anymore since I'm getting old and I'm still working. Yeah. When you're writing, it's funny. Time goes so fast. You know, yes. Slow it down and maybe don't do anything. Just try to, you know, look at a tree and watch how the little flowers are coming on. Will soon become leaves and fruit, or you know, just just uh, don't don't uh, don't 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 let that time rush. You know what I mean? Don't get so absorbed in something that you don't notice that uh, you gotta. You know, there's still some things you need to look at. Yes. Anyway, yes. time to live. God gave us this life to live it, and if possible, to enjoy it. Yeah, no, I'm enjoying what this. I to do. I'm the joy it. of the Lord is always within me, even in good yeah, times yeah. and bad times. You know, when they threatened my house with all those water wars and the I remember that. dollar bills, yeah. Yeah. God gave me a way to where I could pay these things once I reorganized the budget, and He He showed me, and and so I didn't allow the fear to creep into me the way it might have in another situation. Mm-hmm. And the, atta- the attacks are, are relentless, you know. They'll find this. If it doesn't work, they'll do something else and all uh, that. Uh, you know, uh, and I've given up worrying about it. I just say, go do what you're going to do. Just do it. Don't bother me with your yeah. details. I don't care. Yeah, you know, maybe like, some yeah. people think I'm a snot because of that. But, you know, uh, this is a war. And you can't always be on good terms with the enemy. You know, most of us like to be on good terms with everybody. But you know, Zeph, if you've been in the world long enough, like you and I have, you know that's just not possible. Well, you can be on good terms with just about everybody, and then until, uh, you know, something starts up, <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, oh, my God, you're like, you, you know, there's, what do they say when they have, uh, you know, there's there's uh, two wolves and one lamb, uh you know, going to vote on what dinner is going to be or something like that, you know? And uh, yeah. you find yourself in that situation 
And then, well, many times I admit I've, uh, you know, either punted or I've gotten hell out of there. You know what I mean? Well, but sometimes that's what we're supposed to do. I've gotten the hell out of there because I, I could, and then later it's like I don't even show up at the first, <laughs> at first because I already know what's going to happen. Anyway, uh, Charles Kunita, Kunita's Ramble, Kunita's Ramble on Substack, on Spreaker, and he's on yes. Facebook, and he's a good friend and. Um, We've been talking for years and years. He's our uh, one of our prayer partners. On, we don't know when the next prayer thing's going to be, but we'll, we'll we'll get it. Believe me, there's round two or round three or whatever it is is coming. Um, okay. Because we know we know that changes things. We know, but we can't. You know, it's it's God's will. But he's out there. If you, you want to see him, I think today was kind of a fun day. And um, uh, buckle your seatbelts because. Uh, these guys have. Yeah, we're uh, in for a ride. You saw that bank that collapsed. Okay, that was uh, that was, of course, intentional, as usual, <laughs> as business as usual. But they're they're trying to recreate, you know, two thousand eight, you know, bailout, and then Biden's got this, you know, this insane tax bill, and he's they spend everything they steal from you, then they tax you to death, and all they're trying to do is strip you of everything and then kill you. So and break us. That's what they want to do. And um, they they want to break us without knowing what life is. They don't know what life is for. They actually don't no, know. No, they don't. That's why, you know, Harari's book is pedantic, because he has no clue what uh, of that, you know, of that question. None of them do. Bill Gates does not know what life is or why life is or what purpose it has. He doesn't know what a child knows. Now he's grown. It's a total fool. And people bow down to the foolishness, to the ignorance yes. of Bill Gates. The one people say, well, what was one word you could say about Bill Gates? I'd say ignorant, uneducated, foolish. Foolish. Yes. Child, childish. Or Harari. Harari is like a rebellious teenager, also foolish and uneducated. Oh, he may have a PhD. It doesn't matter. He can have a million PhDs. I mean, educated in 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 truth, in reality. So yes. when when they go to write, they're going to reflect their their lack of understanding, and they're going to come up with stuff that's literally not even worthy of a comic book. And people go, "Uh huh. Oh yes, we must get under their skin. Uh huh. We must." We must make humans into machines. The singularity. Oh, that sounds smart. Uh huh. <laughs> That's it's great. But I'm considered a genius. Kurzweil says, "Total genius. You figured it out. We're going to merge with uh, machines. We're going to have iron mixed with clay." But see, I read the Bible when I was young, and I learned this iron doesn't mix with clay. But that you try to do that, and then you see you fail. Yes. Read Book of Daniel. Read. Uh, Joel, yes. second chapter, read the book of Revelation. Read anything. I invite you to read anything. Read a, read a chemistry manual. Read, read about biology. Read about physics. Read about anything. You, they, they misunderstand quantum physics. That, that's okay. I have the real secret. I'm not going to tell them. <laughs> okay, everybody. Uh, thank you. Stay right there, uh, Charles, and uh, we're going to get the little music out, and then you guys will uh, 
Well, you'll see us, you know, when the Lord, when the Lord moves us. Three hours. Wow. Shabbat shalom. <laughs> we could go all day. <laughs> okay. Okay. Goodbye. Bye, everybody.